Hello and welcome to Metrospective, the mecha podcast where we cover everything from Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm your hostess, Tooch. I'm your host, Devin. Uh, I'm hostess because I'm a snack. This is... This was great. That's that's like, I'm, I'm, I was so... I don't know what I expected going into this. We, just for the audience at home, uh, neither of us had seen this before. I had yeah. minor knowledge of it from playing Super Robot Wars Alpha completely untranslated, so I was familiar with a couple <laughs> of the mech designs, but all, and who the character, like, uh, I, I essentially knew, oh, that's a character from Giant Robo. So I knew what the characters looked like. <laughs> I... Yeah, like, very much the same. I watched the first episode, like, a couple years ago, and I remember being like, oh, this this is really fun, I'm digging the shit out of this, but I just fell off and just never kept watching it, so I, I but I, I've, I've been dying to make myself wa- sit down and watch it again, just because what little I did know about it, uh, mostly from uh, Colin Space Twinks on Twitter, very good Twitter follow, uh, he's got great furry insight great anime and media you insight should, uh, at him he's, and he's good at barbecue uh, and and uh he he talked a lot about the things he liked in its story structure and world building and i agree after seeing it i agree i uh, will get that to I that watched it yeah i will get to that that's one thing i definitely want to talk about with this it's just my it's it's my new favorite thing it's my new favorite thing. Hello, it's me, Tooch. The Super Robot Defender has logged on. Super Robot Anime is good, and this is objective proof. Oh, yes. Uh, hello. So, today we're talking about the 19... The technically 1992 OVA, Giant Robo, the animation, The Day the Earth Stood Still. I mean, you know, it's an it's an OVA, so it, it ran from uh, nineteen it, roughly every year. I think the last episode took a couple years to come out, nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, so uh, about six years, six years and some change. It looks like, or actually, no, it looks more like because it was ninety two. It's summer ninety two, July ninety two to January ninety eight. So, like so like five and a half, five years and some change. Yeah. Uh, so this is by, the director of this is, uh, Yasuhiro Imagawa, despite there were other co-directors and whatnot, but he was the main creative force behind this. And, uh, Imagawa, who has a pretty extensive, uh, history working with Sunrise, where he was an episode director and storyboard artist for everything, for a lot, like, he worked on Dunbine, Elgheim, he worked on Zeta and Double Zeta, like, just as part of like Tomino's animation crew and directed a couple episodes of all of those. He worked on he worked on Dugrum, Dugrum. Oh, he, so yeah, he's sun he's definitely Sunrise guy. Hell yeah. Uh so this is he where we've talked about him on the show. He's the director of Shin Mazinger Z and the first and director of the first four episodes of uh Get Robo Armageddon. 
Yes. He also was a he did he would did director work and screenplay work on the 2004 uh, Ted yes, uh, series, which I, which definitely I also want to look into. Want to watch now because I knew I didn't know that he was the one who was the creative force behind that, and if he put as much love into that as he put into this, I am sold on that. Hell yeah, same. So I, unlike Getter of Armageddon, which was a similar kind of love letter to Ken Ishikawa, whereas Shin Mazinger being the same kind of like. Because the the ethos of these three works are that we take we, Giant Robo isn't even really Yokoyama's uh, you know most famous work that'd probably be Tetsujin, mm-hmm. or at least in Mecha because as you as you can easily see in this uh, Yokoyama was also famous for his long running historical dramas where he did one mm. based on uh, Date Masamune mm-hmm. and Takeda Shingen who were two direct two samurai generals from the um, Senkoku Jidai. But mm-hmm. also, two of his most famous works were Water Margin and Romance of the Three Kingdoms, two ad- adaptations of two of the greatest Chinese novels. Uh, yes. With Water Margin also being translated from its Chinese title into Japanese as Suikoden, which has a huge RPG series based off, loosely based around it. Similar to how Romance of the Three Kingdoms has Dynasty Warriors. I, have, I am unfamiliar with those, but I did a little research, and this is heavily influenced by Wuxia Cinema. I believe it. Where for the, I believe it wholeheartedly. Uh, Wuxia Cinema briefly got a uh, bump in American po- in a bump in popularity in the early two thousands with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon being an international success. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of years after Crouching Tiger, pretty much every huge budget Wuxia movie came to America, like House of Flying Daggers. Yeah, like they they really tried to push. It, it was it was another one of those Hollywood fads where. No one in charge understood why things were successful, so they went completely on surface level aesthetics for the marketing and went, "This is just like that other thing you like. We promise." And then it like it never was. Obviously, it's because Wuxia is similar to uh, like I'd say Wuxia is the Chinese equivalent of. Um, well, I don't want to like. It's I'm I don't know because a lot of a lot of Chinese cinema is made in Hong Kong. And I don't know uh-huh. if that's considered China or not, because I know it's its own independent nation, but culturally, it's all it's all based on you know Chinese history. Sure. So I'm I'm just going to use the term Chinese. I don't want to like erase Hong Kong identity. That's not yeah, what I'm like, about. Ch- China big. China's big. Uh, Ch- China big and old. China big and old. It's the old. It, I think Chinese history is the old is like the furthest back uh, to like Mesopotamia and China are the oldest recorded histories we can find. Yeah, and there's so much there's, of it. It's so much. But uh, in, in Japan, there's uh, Jidai Geki, is their term for historical dramas, and a subgenre of Jidai Geki is Chanbara, which is movies about sword fighting, which is what I'm all into. Those are movies about, you know, Edo period, Ronin, and Samurai cutting each other down with fucking swords. That's all. That's awesome. So the Chinese equivalent of that is Wuxia, or like Wushu. Um, and Wuxia films are known for their, like, Everyone kind of has inexplicable magic powers. Everybody's having these, like, flying sword fights with, like, the... That's where, like, the jokes of all, like, the wire, like, especially... Like, everyone's hung up by wires and flying around. Like, that's a, that's a staple of wuxia cinema. Some 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 other non-live action, more more modern stuff that people that people slash anyone younger than us today would know about that come to mind for me are, um... Funnily enough, the the DreamWorks film franchise, uh, Kung Fu Panda. Those those uh, are aping off of Wuxia totally, which is fine. Yes, like that's and, those and, are equally Wuxia and, and Jackie Chan movies. 
Yes, but it's funny because like they 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 were originally you know uh, you can go listen to my old episode of Toon Goons where we cover the Kung Fu Panda films because they're a lot like if you've actually not seen them they're a lot they take themselves more seriously than the marketing would lead you to believe because they I saw were the first one su- and was pleasantly surprised I just kind of watched they, it on a yeah, lark they, on Netflix because like the 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 team the animation team basically was assembled to be like okay you're gonna make a Wuxia parody and then they were like okay cool we need to do our homework on Wuxia and then the whole like. Like, the whole crew ended up loving Wuxia so much, they were like, yo, yeah, fuck based. parody. They were like, yo, fuck parody, let's just make a cool Wuxia movie about a chubby panda boy. Voiced uh, by Jack Black. And so, yeah, yeah, and so they did that. And then my other my other one, uh, which is a very interesting take on the genre, but still in terms of effects and the kind of action that's in there, 100% Wuxia, um, Thunder, Thunderbolt Fantasy, mm. the puppet show. I am completely unfamiliar with it. It is okay. Do you remember? Um, fuck. Th- there was some. It's like a. It's like a marionette puppet show in J- Japan slash China. Uh, it's it's based on. I think it's based on a Chinese, like light novel series. Uh, no. Okay, Thunderbolt Fantasy is a Japanese-Taiwanese glove puppetry TV series, and it, it it's it's way more action-packed and buck-wild than it has any right to be, and I, I watched the first, the, like, the first half of the first season and is, like, hooked, but I need to get back on it, but it's, it's buck-fucking-wild. I can't tell you what anyone's names are, because for some reason, um, everybody has, th- the subtitles... I don't think this, the, their subtitled given Chinese names are what they're called in the Japanese when they're when they're speaking in Japanese in the show. I, I can't I can't I can't hear any Chinese names when they're talking to each other. When I see their well, name, I'm like they're not fucking saying anything that sounds like this. And I think there's some weird translation thing going on that I'm not culturally aware what of. What they're probably doing is so for a basic crash course in Japanese and Chinese, the languages. Uh-huh. Uh, Japanese is derivative of Chinese, it, like, because that just you can take it further and further away. Where what the Japanese call kanji is basically the Chinese alphabet. So all the char- mm-hmm. all the Chinese characters are represented in Japanese as kanji, whereas they have you know hiragana and katakana as well, which they've figured into their language sometime around I think the 15th century. Don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert, but so the for example the character Ki. I don't know how you pronounce it in in uh, Chinese, but the character Ki can mean like tree, and that character mm-hmm. still shares that kanji still shares the same meaning in Chinese. It just pronounced differently. So if you have so if you're ling if you're fully lingual in one of these languages or not lingual if you're you know if you if you're literate in one of those languages you can navigate like despite the languages being completely different verbally and grammatically. You can still point at something and be like, oh, I know that character means turtle. I know that character means exit. I know that means light, left. I mean, I know that means down. Right. So uh, what they're probably okay, doing yeah, is taking I'm those seeing... characters and the way they're taking those characters' names, how they're written in Chinese, but just saying it in Japanese. That's interesting. Yeah, because I'm seeing on Wikipedia, it's like the main character is Shang Bu Huan, and then next to it in parentheses, it says Sha Fu Kan. Which is like how you probably say that in. Uh, and I don't know if that's his pronoun, but. Yeah, I'm not an. Uh, we're anyway, not experts here's a on this. gif that sums up why why I'm bringing this show up at all. <laughs> here's a gif. Let me look at this. Getting live on the air. I might cut this. I don't know. <laughs> it's loading. 
Also, I'm going to take this opportunity, because for some reason we keep getting robot voice. I'm going to plug in my phone and... Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, that's the whole fucking show. Okay, the show is 50% that, and then 50% doing, like... Almost, I mean, obviously, Araki didn't invent this type of dialogue, but, like, it reminded me of JoJo, where it's, like, they'll talk a little too much about the plot and, like, explaining verbatim every single decision and thought and conflict. Like, the, the characters are just saying, like, more or less saying, this is the current conflict of this chapter of the story we're in. Hmm, yes, what should we do about this? What if we did this? That wouldn't work, because then this would happen, and that character would do this instead. What if we did that instead of this? That, like, some, there's just, like, ten minute fucking scenes of dialogue it's, where they're basically just, like, fucking... It's funny you mentioned They're that. checking the people... Like, they're, they're, it's like they're they're getting ahead of like hyper nerds in the comment section who would just be like, well, why didn't they just do that? It's like it's it's funny you mention that because apparently, as I was doing, because I I had never I was unfamiliar with Yokoyama besides like surface level knowledge, so I did, mm-hmm. I dove in a bit to do some research, and it turns out Araki cited Babel Two as one of his uh, as one of his major inspirations for JoJo in terms of the way he wrote it and the way the char- Yokoyama characters interact. Oh, dope. Where Yoko oh, for, for people, uh, I, I do just, I will let you go on, but uh, I just realized I did not even describe the gift to our audience at all. It is a man uh, with a sword going, I won't let you, and he charges into battle and just anime magic slices a bunch of evil henchmen in half immediately, and it's dope as hell, but they're puppets. It looks like a, a more violent version of Dynasty Warriors, but puppets. Yes, that's kind of what they're going for. There's like a imagine if Dynasty Warriors is rated M. (laughs) There's like a demon woman with a flute who resurrects the dead. It's it's sick as shit. This made me want to watch this. This OVA made me want to watch more Wuxia. But this this operates on the same logic as as a lot of Wuxia cinema, which is like they can fly. Shut up. (laughs) They have their powers because they're very good at what they do. Shut up. That's not the point. So a lot of people, I feel, would take... I feel like some... If you're the kind of guy who would get upset that, you know, about stuff like that, you're going to get upset about this. Why can can he fly? Why can he do all this magic? Why is he indestructible? Why why is... (laughs) If you want answers for that, that's not relevant. That's not what this show's about. Yeah, it's, it's truly not important to the plot at all. And, like... Uh, at first, I sort of thought to myself, oh, okay, maybe the the Shizuma drive is, you know, the answer. It's just like, oh, okay, cool. That's a good way to just explain away everything. It's like, oh, of course, it's the Shizuma drive. It's like how Metal Gear has nanomachines. But then the further I go into this OVA, I'm like... Oh no! They have this. They have this superpower battery that can make all manner of science fiction possible. But then also Shinto magic is just real. But well, not Shinto like, magic. Not Shinto magic. Taoist magic. Oh right, I fucked up. Yeah, because yeah, I, I actually magic. do appreciate how this entirely pretty much took place in in China. It takes place in uh, Peking. Or at oh, least. Oh, I didn't not, catch that. Because there, this is because uh, as they said in the uh, in, I didn't quite pick up on this because they don't make it too abundantly clear. But no one's met Daisaku. Until the first episode, because he's from the Japan branch of the uh, of the Experts of Justice or the the IPO. <laughs> he's from fucking great, great names in this. Everything fucking show. is great. We'll get to it because because um, Ta- Daisaku and Giant Robot, uh, Giant Robo, are from the um, Jap- Japanese branch, and so he's now going to the Peking branch 
So Tetsugu and Ginrei had never met Daisaku before. Yeah. And so over the course, and the entire OVA takes place over the course of like seven days. It starts. Yeah, in, it's, it's it starts in Peking, but we go to like the Himalayas and we go to Paris briefly. <laughs> this OVA is buck wild. It's great, uh, but the the I was gonna say where a lot of these characters came from are just like in Shin Mazinger and um, Getaroba Armageddon, they use a single work as a foundation piece. But the cast is popular. The cast and other story elements are cherry picked from other uh, works of, in the author's oeuvre, such as you yeah, know, ba- like, bas- yeah. Basically, Yokoyama's estate wouldn't let him just do whatever he wanted with the core canon of Giant Robo as it stood. He ba- so he basically like okay, you can obviously you can use Daisuke and Giant Robo, and the bad guy is Big Fire. You can't do anything else and he was like okay what about if i used all this other shit from yokoyama and they were and they were like dope because <laughs> i think that had to do i don't think it had to do with his estate honestly because i think what it was is that kind of like how uh the common writer mangas by shotar ishinomori were essentially more pitches <clears throat> than they were like common writers like what like three volumes long as opposed to like the 90 something so. episodes of the toku show because that's sometimes mangaka would write a pitch in the form of like a short condensed manga that would then, and that was what Giant Robo was because that it was way more the the Tokusatsu show had far more impact worldwide as it got brought. I didn't know how influential that was until recently because uh, the the manga itself uh, I haven't read it yet, but apparently I can, which is interesting. So we're definitely gonna get back to that when we when we read that. Fuck yeah! But uh, the there was the Tokusatsu show which got brought to America as Johnny Sako and his flying robot. Which apparently influenced everything from Terminator 2 to, to the Iron Giant. I I mean, fuck. Yeah, and I so believe I, it. I And so I think the problem was that he couldn't use anything, even if it was in the original manga, that was used in the, the Toku show. Oh, that makes more sense. So he only had, like, the barest outline of of Giant Robo. But he couldn't use anything that was like exclusively known in the Toku show. But this, like this image, this image from this image from the Toku show is very, uh, very interesting. To, to, she has eye. just sent me an image of Giant Robo squaring off against a gigantic eye, and uh, that's that's. I I just watched. I just uh, it was one. I watched one of those anime Twitter blogs that just like mutes really cool animated sequences and credits who animated them. And it was the it was that scene from Evangelion where the three of them, where the three Ava units team up to fight that giant eyeball flappy thing. That's a good episode. That's the more the power goes out. Yeah, that's that's a really good episode. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a bad episode of Ava. <laughs> but um. So about that, apparently the Toku show has a really tragic ending, oh. where Giant Robo, and this made it into the into the Johnny Sako version that we got, um, which apparently you can all watch. Shout Factory apparently ha- released all of Johnny Sako and his flying robots, so you can watch the dub of that anytime you want. Shout Factory's doing the most. Shout Factory just fucking localized Common Rider. Fuck yes. Go watch. They have a some streaming the, service. I forget what it's called. It's fucking Common Rider. Go. Everything watch it. in twenty twenty has been awful so far. But let me tell you. If you're if you're a fan of Showa era Tokusatsu, you are you are the only people who have a right to be happy. That thank you, I do, and I am. <laughs> so, um 
apparently giant Ro- apparently the ending of giant robo inspired of uh, the the toku show inspired terminator 2 and the ending of iron giant dang and i, I just think that's incredible johnny sako and the day the earth stood still <laughs> <laughs> apparently there's a manga sequel to this or, or kind of like an alternate reality sequel that's like it's kind of fast and loose with the continuity but used a lot of ideas that didn't make it in uh-huh. called uh it's by the um the director wrote it Mm-hmm. And it's called uh, The Day the Earth Burned, which is another 50s sci-fi movie. Uh, also, apparently there's um, another couple of spinoffs. Uh, one of the Ginray ones, whose character in this, uh, Mighty Ginray, uh, features uh, guest mech designs by, by Ken Kanishikawa! Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It's because... Uh, I don't know if that's where the Ginray... We didn't watch the, uh, the Ginray Robo ones. Uh, they're kind of... I Just be, for time, because... This was a seven-hour OVA that I watched t- almost twice, mm-hmm. and uh, but we will. De- I, I definitely want to do those at some point. They seem to be kind of a little more gag-focused, like etchy comedies. But I'm I'm fine with that as long as it's actually yeah. funny. I and like Gen. I I love Ginray. Ginray's great. In Super Robot Wars Alpha, she got her own robot called the Ginray Robo. Oh my god! And apparently, that's from either one of those or one of the CD dramas. Because apparently, there's a lot of audio dramas there are just in general in the world um oh well, about giant robo specifically <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's uh so let's... oh it's cute it's got like a it's got like a mazinger top cockpit thing yeah the ginray robo yeah i think you can tell that ishikawa designed it oh yeah oh you know what now that you say that absolutely i love ishikawa he's he's our boy uh, so let's let's get a little more into this ova in particular uh i wanted to talk about the visuals and the score because I as good as the visuals are in this I think it's the score that really sells this entire OVA music is the most unsung hero of the mecha genre and I will go to my grave saying it and this is further proof I was listening to the soundtrack on my way home it's so fucking good this OVA this OVA I have not in a long time like I, this probably has the best score of any of any anime I've seen, and I'll talk about like when we get into we're get when we get back into Gundam. I'm going to talk about how much I love Shigeki Saiguza. I'm going to talk about. I mean, I was talking despite Koichi Sugiyama being a horrible human being, he still was a great composer, and the mm-hmm. score for Ideon was great. But like, this isn't like an anime score. This is like a legit like old school Hollywood style score. It's, yeah, it's Holly. It's cinematic, operatic. It's giant Robo. Everything um. about this is big. Nothing about this is small. Giant Robo is the is, is oh. the ohm like the noise it makes. It's great. Fucking everything um, about the sound design in this is absolutely perfect. Speaking of the speaking of the music, uh, the composer uh, Masamichi Amano. I just learned one of his other many credits. I just learned minutes before recording this. Uh, he did a track for fucking Django Unchained. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, it's Django. The day is silent. Right. <laughs> I like saying Django. <laughs> it's it's funny um, to see in the movie where the guy who played the original Django in the Spaghetti Western is talking to uh, Jamie Fox, and Jamie Fox says the D is silent, and the other guy says, <laughs> "I know," because he's the original Django. 
Yeah, no, I love that shit. Um, no, it was it. It's not include. It's not included on like the soundtrack album to go by. Uh, but the the track is called uh, Requiem Requiem and Prologue, and he composed it, and the Warsaw Philharmonic Orchestra performed it. Who also did the uh, the Warsaw Philharmonic also did this. Oh fuck yeah! It's it's this is like when I th- the it, what sold like I was I was into this, and then we saw the first flashback to the tragedy of Bashtarl. And I was mm-hmm. I was I was in. That was that was the that was the the hook. That that was when it hooked me. I was I oh, was. Oh fuck! Warsaw, Warsaw Philharmonic ha- has an anime filmography. Good on That's it. That's who Poland. they go to. They go I'm to sorry? fucking Poland. That's awesome. Yeah, fucking. Uh, Good on okay, you, Poland. The, I don't know. Cowboy Bebop, uh, Giant Robo, Ah My Goodness, the movie, Princess Nine, uh, Vision of Escaflone, Wolf's Rain, Helsing Ultimate, Aquarion. Uh, FMA Brotherhood, uh, Ace Combat Five. <laughs> Dope! I love Ace Combat Five. That game's that game's awesome. Uh, and they also did the soundtrack for the Battle Royale movie, which was also composed by Giant Robo's composer uh, Masamichi Yamano. I guess he has a relationship with them too. I uh yeah no I I fucking classical music this, world is wild. This is a Giant Robo is a wonderful family tree of um, the most amazing people working in anime. So. With that, we have some, uh, not everybody involved in this is an A-lister, but everybody in this is giving it their fucking all. Every, this, do not watch this dub under any circumstance. I don't care if you hate subs, you are getting a subpar experience because to say you You can watch, okay, you can watch it, you can watch it dubbed after you watch the sub. (laughs) I, because I think, like, I, I listened to a little bit of both dubs and while the two, like, and while the, uh. The Media Blasters dub is way better than the Manga Entertainment dub. Just, it's, you're getting a subpar experience. In, you're in getting terms, a, it's, it's dub, hey, what, do you, what do you call when the dub is subpar? It's dub, dub par. par. So, uh, <laughs> Daisaku's uh, voice actor is voiced by, he's voiced by Yamaguchi Kabe. Uh, Yamaguchi Kabe is pretty prolific. His most famous roles being, uh, he voiced L in Death Note. <laughs> He is Detective mm-hmm. Conan, uh, Conan Anogawa in Detective Conan, or Case Closed, if you're an American. Uh, he voices Inuyasha. Uh, Ra- he voices Ranma Satome from Ranma One Half, obviously the male half of Ranma. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another. He voiced Shingeki in and and uh, or uh, Shingeki uh, Shingeki in uh, Diamond Is Unbreakable Part Four of JoJo. Wow. And. Uh, there was one more role of his that I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on. Let me double check. Oh, and Usopp in One Piece. That was his other yeah, huge role. Yeah, boy. Teddy and and also Teddy in Persona Four, <clears throat> or Kuma as he's known in Japanese. There's a couple other roles, but those are his most famous. I don't want to just rattle off every minor role he had. He's had. Mm-hmm. Tetsugu is voiced by Shozo Izuka, who uh, has only two real roles that uh, that are like big for what we for this podcast, which are. He voiced ben, he voiced Ben K in uh, Get Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, and he voiced Ryu Jose in uh, original 0079 and the movies, as well as being the Japanese voice of Nappa and Android Eight. Nice. Good old Frankenstein, Android Eight. Good old Aider. Uh, up there next, Ginray's voice actress. I remember her being in a few things. She voiced Flora, the 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 fair not the fairy queen. She voiced um. Sherke's uh, mentor, Flora the Witch, in the terrible Berserk CG movie, uh, series. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, 
uh, oh, her name is Sumi Shimamoto. Yeah, uh, Sumi Shimamoto. She was, she was Nausicaa. She was Nausicaa. I'm trying to think of other big roles, because a lot of these I don't are like either minor or characters I don't rec or stuff I haven't seen. Uh, she's she has she's in uh, Anpa Man's Anpan Man, which is you know. Oh, she was a uh, fucking Lady Clarice in Castle of Cagliostro. Oh yeah, so she's been in a lot. Of, yeah, she was in Cagliostro, and she uh, so she was in Zabungle. She was in a lot very, of stuff, and she's in a lot. Uh, just Asuka not a lot. In they, Urusei Yatsura. Lots of Yatsura roles. Lots of Yatsura roles. Lots, lots of Yatsura. Lots of Yatsura. And uh, on top of that, we have the in- incomparable Norio Wakamoto as Taiso. Uh, are you familiar with Norio Wakamoto? Because he's probably one of my favorite seiyuu. Let me see here. Because Norio Wakamoto is the Japanese voice of Cell. He's the voice of the yeah. em- of the Emperor in Code Geass, the best part of that show. Yes, you have told me about He's Royental in... Um, he's the Royental in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, one of my favorite characters in Galactic Heroes. He's he has the, he has that really deep kind of booming like he's whole horse in the original in the uh, two thousand oh, shit. OVA. He's, he's Zemnis in Kingdom Hearts. Yes, he's he's that guy. He's got the voice. He was he was even uh, he was Gene in Mobile Suit Gundam One. He, who's, you got the voice. Do you remember Gene from uh, 0079? Gene was one of uh, the two guys who break into Side Seven and kick off the events of the series. Oh. He's the first per. I think he's the first person Amuro kills. Mm. He's the main character of MD Geist. He's ha- he has a huge role. He uh, he was coach in Gunbuster. Oh. He's been in a lot. Um, he just has this really big, like, booming voice. If you if you hear it, you if you hear his voice, you've heard him before. Um, Shuren and Fist of the North Star. Uh, Sunny, who we meet very briefly in the show, was voiced by Fuyumi Shiraishi, who we pre- who we just saw in Ideon as Kasha, who also voiced Mirai hmm. in 0079 and Zeta in Char's Counterattack. Yeah, it was uh, Yosuke Akimoto. He's been uh, in a lot as well. He uh, Alberto characters. Alberto the Impact. Alberto the Impact. God, such a the names are so good. The names are so good in this. And it's like what well, I'm just look through his his uh, I just looked through his uh, voice acting filmography and didn't find much actually. But I because I but aside from that, the, everybody in this is giving it their absolute all. Everyone in this kicks ass. But do you, I was gonna say, do you want to try to rolodex through our main characters to get through to get that out of the way? Let's talk about our main uh, characters because I think that's the meat of this. Absolutely. And I was going to let you direct this, because who do you want... Instead of doing it from an arbitrary list of most to least important, like we usually do, who do you want to talk about first? <laughs> um, the... I mean, let's let's go with the ex, the fucking experts of justice. Okay, let's go good guys first, before fucking, we do Big Fire. Um... We've got the, the... The little man with the big man himself, Daisaku... Uh, Daisaku Kusama. Uh, Daisaku's great. Um... I I haven't read original Giant Robo, but Daisaku seems to be a very similar character to uh, Shotaro Kaneda from you know Tetsujin twenty uh, twenty eight go. And uh, so I'm wondering how much of this, is, how much of him is like I'm wondering if he's like a hybrid of the two because they're already such similar characters. Probably I would have to imagine because just because like you know uh, 
older older comics and manga the, the the it was less about it was less about deep characterization and more about like flashy sequences and like very like marketable like characters and stuff like that and like fun if there was a theme it was very like a singular theme if the, if the story was about anything it, it never really went to you know old old school shit um, so, cause I, I read a lot of the original Astro Boy and that's a lot of fun stuff and there is some stuff to critique in it, but like, you know, you're not getting a whole lot of deep characterization about Astro Boy past, like, his shithead dad built him to try to get over the death of his real son and it didn't work so he basically threw him in the trash. Uh, <laughs> but then after that it's just Astro Boy shenanigans for like however many fucking decades. I don't want, um, and don't take that as a knock on Tezuka's writing ability, cause a lot of his later work oh, no, not is at all. like... Tezuka's great. Tezuka's great. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm saying. I, I'm not. Because Tezuka was it, able it, to. Tezuka did create like you know, very verbose and lingual works. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not saying it that it's to its detriment. I'm just saying that that was just how how dialogue was more likely to be back then. Exactly. Especially from... for the demographic as well. That too, yeah. The demographic was also a big deal. You weren't gonna get a whole lot. You weren't gonna like kids. I mean, especially in fucking like Japanese. Like that's fucking. How many words can kids even fucking read at that point? Um, well, because that would be written have with the furikana. Yeah, that's the thing. And then any of the more complicated words, they'll 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 put the they'll put the tiny symbols on top of them. How you to know? say I phonetically like in hiragana? Yeah, yeah. That's, how, yeah, that's, yeah, that's usually fun. how you can like distinguish. That. That's how you. That's technically what the distinction between seinen and shonen is. I like that. But uh, but yeah, I could see that. I could see where it's like, oh, these th- these two shorts wearing boys uh, ha- both have a robot. Um, yeah, let's just mash them together. Um, Daisaku feels like he's twelve. There's very few, you know, actual anime twelve year olds who feel twelve. Twelve is an interesting boy. age. You're not and you're it's... not quite a teenager. You're not quite a kid. You're almost my there. favorite Britney Sp- my favorite Britney Spears song. Um... <laughs> You know, I I wasn't in a show that in a show that just kind of makes you accept so much and never dwells on a whole lot. One thing that I am that that they do so well is you know the the, the audience is introduced to Daisaku in the same way that the rest of the cast is, where it's like he, he, his legend is renowned. He is known far and wide as the only person who can control this big man. Because um, that was and, actually you know, that was that was what Yokoyama wanted to make the distinction of between Tetsujin and Giant Robo was that anybody could control Tetsujin, but only somebody with a pure heart could control Giant Robo. Yes, and I that that's so good. That's just so fucking. Ugh. I I don't say this disparagingly. I say this with all of the love and passion in my heart. That's so fucking stupid, and I love it. <laughs> uh, and. And if, so, if, you know, the, 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 the deeper the deeper you get into the narrative, one thing they do stop and, like, not only dwell on but talk about and flash back to is Daisaku's origin, because he's the main character, so he does get that. Yes. And for, for, a show that, for a show that makes you just kind of accept Buckwild nonsense, they didn't necessarily have to go here, and, the, and, and they, they, they did, and it's... They gave Daisaku a shocking amount of character because I thought he would be a rel. I I I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was going in with the expectation of Getter Armageddon, where it was more about they took the kind of the not the fan service, but the love letter was more important than the plot. That isn't the case here. It's almost equal, where the love letter yes. drives the plot. 
Because like this you know, is better than Getarobo Armageddon. I w- I'm a little salty that Getarobo <laughs> Armageddon wasn't as good as this because I'm such an Ishikawa fan. Uh, yeah, I feel that. I would love. I would love for. I would love for everything that I like to be as good <laughs> as Giant Robo the Teddy Stuff. I like. I, <laughs> I the amount that this director, whose name I just immediately forgot again, this director. I think he John, loves Johnny Sacco. I, I think he loves Yokoyama as much as like. Ano loves Yamato. Probably, yeah. This is like this is like or how much is like Naoki Urasawa loves Tezuka like. Naoki Urasawa being the writer of 20th Century Boys, Monster, and Billy Bat, who also wrote mm. Pluto, which was his own take on a, one of the arcs of Astro Boy. Which I, I desperately want to read and cover on this show. We will, and I lo- I'm excited to read that because I love Naoki Urasawa. I just refuse to read it until I've read original Astro Boy, and that's going to be a while. <laughs> um, I've read... Uh, I. Uh, I have the first four volumes. I think I've read the first three. I think I'm in the middle of the fourth one. Um, it's It's the... The Dark Horse omnibuses are sadly flipped, but aside sadly. from that, aside aside from that, they're great. I, uh, they they you know they they even give a lot of upfront. Like I I learned a lot about Tezuka and the production of Astro Boy just from like the opening chapters of those omnibuses. It's 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 a it's good. I wish they didn't fucking flip it, Dark Horse. You fucking free abuse. Uh, one thing I will say is that uh to before we steer back to giant robo one last thing about mm-hmm. tessica is that i am very excited because uh dororo just got a new release that isn't flipped and i'm excited to pick that up <gasps> yeah i was gonna pick it up but then this whole catastrophe happened so mm-hmm. hello everybody in quarantine land fucking yeah hey what's up i work at a liquor store i still have to work i can't you can't get liquor in philly you can get beer and wine <sighs> and you can tell because people be, are yeah. absolutely a lot more angry yeah uh, oh boy. Um, but so yeah, I I was in the same boat where I was assuming not necessarily just because of the of the the same having the same director as the first three episodes of Armageddon, but because you know the it's called Giant Robo, but then when you watch the opening sequence, it's like oh, there's like fifteen other fucking characters in this show, and none of them pilot robots. So I you really don't know what you're getting, but like they they do such a good job they do such a good job of giving everybody giving everybody something to do, making everybody feel like an important character, but but this is still a show about Daisaku, even if it's also about, like, 15 other fucking things. It, this show and is it a, is! Th- like, once again, the, the well, after we cover the cast, I'll get to this, the way that this show tells its story, because it's my favorite form of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I've come to just love that in the past couple years. But... This show, this, what this show is showing you is what it wants to. It's not, it's not, the stuff you're not seeing is not because the writers are quote-unquote lazy. They are showing you exactly what you want, they want you to see. This is an OVA. They have, they don't, they're not pushing, but there's no budget concerns. There's no deadlines, really. They have a whole year to work on an episode as opposed to we gotta make something that's gonna be airing, you know, we have like a month deadline to crank out all these episodes. Yeah, um... I, I I think this is honestly such a good example of selective it's like selective world building in a way like you like you're like there's a whole world and you can tell you can tell the difference between somebody who's just throwing spaghetti at the wall and not caring how much of it fits and somebody who has done meticulous background 
development of a particular setting or cast and and the history therein but all of all you're seeing is this one story that takes place in this grander world and this story is done with such detail that it, you believe that there is still a world outside of this i fucking i need <laughs> i need more so bad and we're never gonna get it don't talk like that chaos magic you just watched this remember remember what happens god fuck you're right Fuck, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> uh, so do you want, who do you want to talk about next? Because Daisaku, I feel we're going to get a lot more into. Yes, in I the, just wanted to, you know, to the... start from the start. Okay, um, so who's going next? Probably the other, probably the other, the, the second, the, the, the arguably the co-star of this, like the second star of this, uh, Ginrei. So Gin, unlike Daisaku, Ginrei is not from, her origins a little, is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, from where she she's from. So... There's gonna be some characters that I'm gonna say are from uh, a manga called Babel Two, which I am unfa- which I am unfamiliar with in uh, in terms of its of its plot. Apparently, it's about like a, de- a super godlike human who is fa- or like an a-, a godlike alien that's father tried to build the Tower of Babel. Huh. And it's uh, but apparently Yokoyama then went back and. Um, wrote a series called Sononawa One Hundred One, which means. Uh, its name is 101. Mm. Uh, and apparently it was an alternate ending to Babel 2, and Ginrei is specifically from Sononawa 101. Oh. Uh, as Weird. well as something called Okami no, Okami no Seiza, which I have no idea what that is. Hmm. So that's where Ginrei's from. I have, no, I have no information about her original appearance, and if that's ever scanned or translated, I will watch, I will read it. I know there's like two separate anime adaptations of Babel 2, so we can get into that. Like, if you want to do more like Yokoyama, I'm down. I, I'm curious. This piqued my interest. If this guy loves Yokoyama as much as he does, loves him this much, clearly there has to be a reason. Oh yeah, no, totally. I'm, 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 I'm into him now. Uh, I'm ready. And um, but base, but but in this one, she is one of the in 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 this story, she is one of the experts of justice. She doesn't like well, for she does have a power. Uh, and that and it's plot relevant, um, but for most of it, she's just kind of like you know, the girl. Although there is another female, and that's my wife, um, and we'll get to her. Um, uh, and she's she like like she you know she's the capable, smart, cute action girl who is you know she's she's the the Black Widow of the team, but, like, better but in like every good. conceivable way. <laughs> and I give a shit about... I would care deeply if she died, unlike everybody in that theater that day. No, but Gen- Genray's great. Pretty much every problem I'd have with just, like, an action girl character that... She, like, she does, she lacks the shallow shallowness. And that's that's the thing about this show, is that I feel it's very easily... Very easily somebody could critique it as style over substance, but that's not the case. It's equal fistfuls of style and substance. The yeah, it's it's. I like to say that the it turns the style into substance. It's because it's not like oh, this is minimalist storytelling and maxima and like maximalist style. It's it's max everything. This goes as big and as earnest as you possibly can. Everything is sincere. Nothing is ironic. Everything is big, sincere, and awesome. It is, yeah, no, I, I thank you, because I, I only just remembered my original thesis for this whole fucking thing that I pitched to you while we were watching it. Um, it, Giant, Giant Robo, The Day the Earth Sits Still is 
condensed, pure, unfiltered, anti-cringe. Yes, it's this is, and by definition, I think that word is Kino. Yes, uh, go into more detail about that. I'm unfamiliar. So Kino is a term that I was unfamiliar with that my friends kind of that my friends told me. And according to, let me pull up the Urban Dictionary definition. Uh, the highest tier of artistry in motion films, Kino is above all other categories: joints, flicks, movies, film, cinema. Kino can only be enjoyed by patricians. Plebeians aren't ready for Kino, as they would have trouble picking up on the subtle and sociological themes and masterfully executed yet intentionally mistransmitted messages that always seem to fly right over the lesser minds undetected. I was unfamiliar um, with the term until like a year ago. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's it it just it just makes you it it, it make it, it just. It's it's so much silly, goofy, cheesy. Everyone that wears their heart on their sleeve, fucking it, it the rem- power of friendship and love, and it just makes you go fuck yeah, fuck yeah, all that shit. You know what? Give this, it to me. This reminds me of like kind of in terms of like not. I'm gonna say in terms of flavor, which is a very interesting way to put an anime. It, mm-hmm. it has the same flavor as Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Huh. And how like earnest it is, but yet still going to dark places without going into cynicism. It's not yes. cynical. It's it's, it's entirely it's cynical, and it's also earnest. not it's also not cynical, and it's also not like nihilistic. Um, it's none of the bad things. <laughs> and not saying that cynicism and nihilism doesn't belong anywhere. Nihilism gives us Edeon, and cynicism gives us Gundam. Yeah, um, but that's not where this. That's not the soup. Those ingredients did not make this dish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's why Ginray works, I think, because in in a show that is not nearly as earnest, I would feel like I would feel that Ginray's there as product placement, but she's not. Yeah, uh, it's fine. One of the things um, the 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 first episode the first episode has a uh, Seiyu commentary with uh, Daisuke and Ginray's uh, voice voice act voice actors. It's very and- cute. It's so cute. If it's they, on, I think it's on the Blu-ray like... release. If you're watching this legally on the American Blu-ray, you can. You, it, I think it's on that. They they spend half of it just pointing at everything and going cuckly. <laughs> you can tell how much so like cool. they like like when they see Tetsugu and they're like Tetsugu. Yeah. <laughs> um, they the, love she, they love it. She was sent. I, I guess a fan. I guess a fan made a uh, cosplay of Ginrei's like Chinese dress, <laughs> and I she said. That. She said it was. She tried it on, and it fit just as well as it does on Ginrei. But that meant she was too embarrassed to wear it out in public. Uh, <laughs> and Daisaku asked, "Like, did you take any pictures?" And she went like emphatically, "Was like, fuck no. Like, I did. Of course, of course, I don't want any photographic evidence of me wearing that. Are you kidding me?" And then she asked if he wore Daisaku. If he wore Daisaku's shorts, and he started saying, yeah. "Like, hell yeah, I would if, he, if yeah. someone sent them to me." But he did buy a watch that looked just like the one from Giant Robo. Oh god, that's so that's so good. He bought it with the director. It. Yes. There's a lot of little that we we were disappointed because we thought there would be like a director commentary with more production information. But it, I, I'm still happy that we got that one episode they, commentary. They do it's go weird. into a lot of they do go into a lot of talk about what it was like to work with the director and what the director wanted from their performance. and how much he loved and Yokoyama. They talk about that a lot. That like does, if anything and- was clear, he loved Yokoyama. <laughs> Just from their perspectives, you do really get the sense of, like, because, like, not only were, like, they were talking about how great that the show is itself, but, like, anytime a new character was introduced, they would hype up how great their that voice actor was and just how great the music is and everything. And it's just, like, 
every this was a project of love that every like everybody who worked on this enjoyed working on this um and it's it's that that makes that gives me so much fucking uh, fucking joy to hear to confirm like you can tell watching it but that confirmation of just like oh yeah working on this whipped ass <laughs> it it, it- I think that adds to the positivity of this. That if like it feels that everybody involved was invested, no one's phoning it in. Oh, everybody yeah. showed up to work. Um, my my favorite my favorite direction my favorite voice direction that uh, Yokoyama gave Desuku's voice actor was um, it was for that opening that that opening shot of the very first time you know the ba 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 and he just, yeah like, the, the beginning never- um. He said that he tried it a bunch of times, and he was, according to the director, he was giving it like too much energy. He was being like too anime about it, and so the direction he, he was got being was too like, Yasha, probably. Yeah, the direction he got was like uh, Daisuku speaks to Giant Robo like a country boy talks to his horse. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, like pretend you're congratulating a workhorse for doing a good job that day. Like that's how he talks to Giant Robo. That's that's incredible. I forgot about that. That's incredible. And apparently they had, they just had all the male voice actors who were there record the, everything for Big Fire, and he wasn't allowed to be there. Oh yeah, because he was, he had to be Daisaku. He really he wanted to, but they didn't let him. Oh boy, Ginray's good. Uh, what about her teleportation power that she kind of uses that makes her fade out of reality? It's that it's it's great. It's great world building. It becomes it becomes a plot point pretty much because it's like a genetic ability. It turns out, I guess. Yeah. Um. And but it's it it does such a good job. It tells you so much about the world with just so little. It almost reminded me of like if if I think if if My Hero Academia had a different focus, then it would it would come off almost like this because My Hero Academia, like. It does the introductory work of telling you why everyone has superpowers, but once you know that, it just sort of goes with it, and, like, you just sort of, it's not weird, it's not, it's never weird that someone has superpowers. What ends up being weird is when they fuck shit up real bad or they're detrimental to something important, so it's, like, her powers, it's not weird that she has powers, but it's fucked up that they're so powerful that they they are harmful to her. Um... So that tells you a lot about the world of just like not only are there abilities, there are learned abilities, there are genetic abilities. Shit's just weird. I feel the 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 one I think just calling them the experts of justice is enough explanation for me. They have they are these badass superheroes because they are this good at being good guys. Yes, it it really is. It's that shonen it's that shonen belief of like the only reason the only reason you can't punch a mountain in half is because you haven't done enough push-ups or you haven't if punched only, you haven't punched it enough times yet yeah if you've like oh you've done a million push-ups come back when you've done a billion push-ups and it's like realistically that doesn't matter like the, but this is the kind of world where that shit operates the 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 notion of the notion of there is no peak you cannot peak as a human being. If you peaked, it just means you haven't. You haven't. You need. You can. You can always do more. And so these handful of motherfuckers are the people that have just so happened to like have trained hard enough in whatever they're training in to just you know like whenever fucking it's evident whenever 
whenever Albert, Alberto the Impact and fucking I'm blanking on the, the guys Tyso whenever they fight they're rivals and it's it's which is another wuxia thing their rivalry is very wuxia it's like it's a respectable rivalry they're both they're both so hyper powerful but they're also equally matched in a way that like that's not how fighting works like if you fight somebody you could have trained for way longer than them but if they just like fucking i don't know they shoot you a little quicker or just a million things could happen in a fight that makes somebody who knows more lose because fights are weird and complicated and hard in real life but this but but these but this this storytelling anime and shonen take it to this extreme of like no, you can just have enough raw experience and training to where you can conceivably just know every possible move someone will make and have a counter for it perfectly. Like, <laughs> it's so good, and I love that shit so hard. It's just that fucking, it's like Sonic and Metal Sonic in the fucking OVA of like, you know everything I'm going to do, but that's not going to help you because I know everything you're going to do. Strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, it's it's it, so it's perfect. Good. So is that will that segue us into uh, Alberto the Impact, or do you want to still uh, go through good guys? Let's go through the, let's go through good guys. So let's, let's go, go let's Tyso. go through Tyso. Tyso. Tyso is the ultimate. Is has big 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 brother energy on it. Big Aniki yeah. energy. Yeah. Um. I, I think we could just like lump Tyso and Tetsuyu together. They're the they're time. a unit, and they're they're yeah. they're 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 the uh the Peking tag team champions. They they are honestly like they. Every single one of these... I mean, you know, it, it's evident in the fact that they're each from something different, but, like... Well, Tetsugu and Taiso are both XPs from characters from Water Margin. This, uh, specifically Yokoyama's adaptation of Water Margin. Yeah, and, and you can tell that these two, at the very least, are from the same thing. But, like, everybody does such a good job of, of standing out, both not only just for that reason, but, like... I just love how tightly themed it. Everybody's vaguely themed, but everybody's also tightly themed. Like everybody has like a, such a focus in their design and their demeanor and what what they do, what their motivations are. Like Ginray seems like she's out of like a John Woo or a Jackie Chan like Hong Kong action movie, whereas these guys are straight out of a Wuxia movie. Yeah, like a Wuxia movie or just like these these are the motherfuckers that like fucking every week they stumble onto some fucking village that needs help being saved from bandits like that just seems like their day-to-day yeah uh I, taiso is obviously the older brother even though he's smaller he, he he's he's hard drinking and he's he gives like he's the mentor whereas tetsugu is like rough around the edges resents daisaku at first for being like why do you get giant robo you're a little fucking kid you yeah. don't know anything Honestly, you're that, like 12 that he gets such a fucking he also has such a great character arc because that like Tetsuki was my favorite character in this. He was he he was like I our friend as I joke he's 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 the same quality of character that our friend Arcade would absolutely want to marry. <laughs> yes, big. he is big, loud, stupid, heart full, <laughs> heart full, head empty, muscles big. <laughs> yeah, um... and he's gonna punch you if you're evil. <laughs> I I love I love it a lot. It's there. There's such a like every every character and aspect of this show has such a purity. It, it's um, even even the villains. Oh yes, yes. Even and, and I don't just mean I don't just mean like I don't just also necessarily mean morally pure. I'm. Oh I'm my most, god. I'm, 
I mean, like, fucking pure concept. Like, whatever they are, whatever their role is in this narrative, they embody that wholeheartedly. Entirely. Toe to tip. I'm going to interrupt you for one second to give you some crazy, crazy, crazy news. Mm -hmm. In the... I don't know which dub was which in terms of, like, who was in the Media Blasters, who was in the Manga Entertainment dub, but Tetsugu's two dub actors are Steve Bloom and Sean Schimmel. Yo, that could be either one. Yeah, I'm not sure who is who. I think Sean Sh- I, I could see Tetsuki having Goku voice as opposed to Spike from Cowboy Bebop. I feel Taiso like... Taiso should be Steve Bloom. I feel like 90... I feel like the 90s one was Sean Schimmel because I think... I think... I think once we get into the 2000s, Schimmel is 100% only at Funimation as far as I know in terms of dubbing anime. That's, that's always been my feeling just because I... After a certain point, you stop hearing him in anything that isn't Goku. Like, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess I could just fucking look it up. <laughs> uh, while you're looking that up, uh, just that—that's the thing. These characters are so great. Maybe that's because they come from like such legendary source material as well. Like they're kind of these. These are like immortal characters being rendered by it. Like you know. Oh, fuck, that... he, was the, he was the 2004 one. Oh, Sean Schimmel? Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know how that would sound. He doesn't seem to have the range. I mean, maybe he has more range than I give him credit for, but... So, uh, do you want to talk about Yoshi and Issei? Because I think you like... I, I thought you would like Yoshi a lot. I fucking love Yoshi so much. Taiso's wife? <laughs> I showed up, I was just like... <laughs> She's apparently a gender swap of a character from Water Margin. Good better improvement and uh she's taiso's wife which is great yoshi kicked ass i wish she did more but i'm glad she like did as much as she did yeah this is one of those i mean like getting ahead of ourselves for like spoilers this is another one where i it got to the point where i was looking at the screen and being like every female character is dead uh (laughs) (laughs) um so and you know a lot of other characters die too, uh, if not presumed dead. But it's like, the, but yeah, like it, it, that's it did suck. But for everybody, you know, it was only seven episodes, so everybody only got so much screen time anyway. Um, and she, she got, she was good. Uh, the she, she left me wanting more, not necessarily in a bad way. I su- like I suppose if you really wanted to come up with a bunch of reasons why she should have had more, it's like I'll agree with you. But like I don't know, like I think she served the role she had. And she, she, every yeah. scene she was in was dope. So I mean, I think that's not a criticism. If we just want to see her more, yeah, no, it's not. I, I don't think it's a bad thing in this case to want to want more because, like, I feel like you're always gonna want more out of this. I want more from everything of this. I want, I want the fucking OVA trilogy. I was fucking. I was after the fact realized had been promised. Uh, there was also Issei, who was the the Shinto the Taoist monk and the sorcerer guy with the sword. Um. Yeah, I liked I liked Issei a lot. Um He's a horse he, when you first see him. He's super cool. Um I like my favorite bit, and this is honestly like this is the one moment where I sort of went, come on man, was when uh Al uh was when Alberto had Alberto like got the jump on him and like was holding was like holding fucking uh, Daisuke hostage or whatever and he he went like you know drop your weapons let me see your hands 
and Issei like opens up his sleeves and all of his all of his scrolls fall out and the and you know it, it was just sort of him what was initially projected was oh I'm dropping all my scrolls cuz you don't cuz I don't want to cuz you know that I can use them but I'm just like fucking everyone knows you can also use them remotely like there's no fucking like and then and then he does so it's like fucking alberto what are you doing it was fun though i liked that scene a lot but i that that was one of my fucking fucking cinema sin ding moments despite myself no but i i Issei, once again Issei feels straight out of a wushu out of a wusha film Yes, very much. He's I loved everything he did. Every, every every scene he's in. So can we talk about my favorite character? Yes. I want to talk about uh, uh, one of the other... One of the two Tetsujin characters that are in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first of which be, uh, being Kenji Murasame. Inspector Kenji Murasame, who's just the Love coolest... Love him! He's the coolest character in this. Un- the, the, the unkillable man. The unkillable man. He's... he's uh, lifted pretty much directly from uh, Tetsujin 28, and uh, apparently in the in the 2004 Tetsujin 28 series, he looks just like he does in this OVA. Um, except for except for he's no longer black. He got he got really just because you know he 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 isn't around a lot in the first half. He's way more in the second half, especially in terms of his own characterization and definitely definitely. Out, what his deal is so i i spent the first half just sort of like being intrigued at this cool mystery man and then once we actually get a look at him and a and like a feel for his personality and what his deal is i was like a little shook i'm like oh this man's like not fucking playing around no he's like, not especially when you see the when you see the actual flashback to how daisaku got giant robo like it's with the death of daisaku's father and how kenji was there this yeah i i do also want to say that like this is um this is one of those shows where everybody knows everybody in everybody is inextricably tied to everyone else's backstories in ways that they don't fully any, tell you in any other series would come off as nothing but a laundry list of contrivances <laughs> but this the show makes everything it does work so well oh it does it does he his whole scene with Daisaku because that that's when you start understanding the whole like theme of this show can can happiness be achieved without sacrifice and mm-hmm. it, and I and that's the thing I, I kind of appreciate we'll get to this later when we start discussing that more but I like how the show doesn't really give a solid answer on that no because there fucking shouldn't like there it like there isn't because there isn't not like, every question yeah, needs to have I, a I, not I every question that. needs to have a direct answer. That might honestly be that might be the least shonen thing about this. I feel like I feel like even even like the even like the best shonen, like one thing not necessarily that I take them to task for, but one thing that you don't often see is um not subtlety, what's the word? Like not vagary, but just like admitting that like shit's too complicated than that because that's not the shonen spirit the shonen spirit is like standing firm in your beliefs and having them and and staying true to yourself and what your path is and so to for a show like this to be like no actually some philosophical shit 
isn't necessarily meant to be answered, but it is the journey we go on looking for that answer that is the meat and potatoes of this fucked up thing we call yeah. life, you know? It, it, that's that's um, the whole gist of a fucking Hitchhiker's Guide, is that, like, there is no answer. Yeah. And that's, there is no answer to, to the greater life's questions. That's the point of life, is to try to reach your own conclusion, because there is no universal truth about it. I mean, I just believe that truth doesn't exist, and, so... And, uh, Right, and you know that that might be one of the reasons that like that might be one of the reasons that like most shonen just comes down to like fucking love and tr- trust and faith in your friends because like you know everything else is pretty fucking up in the air except for those things and even those things aren't always exactly. concrete. Um, but I, yeah, Murasame um, is absolutely not fucking around because he he's the, of the ilk that like him and Daisaku are on opposite ends of this argument where he's all like I as an adult. As of all, because if I, if his backstory is concise with uh, this with his Tetsujin backstory, he fought in World War II, and doesn't ever use guns because he hates war. As someone who fought in a in the war, he mm-hmm. doesn't like war, so he always uses he like throws knives as opposed to like ever using a gun. And the only time I think he fires a gun in this is to shoot himself in the fucking head. <laughs> but yeah. he's straight up saying like I am willing to sacrifice anything, even myself. And those I hold dear for the greater happiness of the world. Where Daisaku resents that. I like that in in a show that usually keeps things fast and loose, one thing that this absolutely shows you is precisely how he resurrects. I feel like a lot of shows with characters like this will either come up with a less messy thing or just sort of not point the camera at them. This is an OVA, yeah, we can show whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> This motherfucker's like, oh no, every single cell in my body just sort of looks for each other until it reforms my body again, like the fucking thing. Uh, which is which is terrifying. Wild. It's the part of Wolverine and Deadpool nobody wants to draw. And that's why, and, and, you know, and I feel like that, I feel like it needs to show you that, because, like, one thing that, because the, the, the whole reason he shoots himself in the head is, like, fucking Daisaku honestly has a pretty good point from his perspective of like why the fuck should i why the fuck should i take life advice from somebody who doesn't fucking know what it's like to 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 die and basically he says it without saying it he shoots himself in the head and then he comes back and it's like i know more about death than anybody it turns out yeah uh (laughs) yeah because, like, again, and it, it doesn't need to be said, you just, it, it, it it's shown to the audience and to Daisaku of, like, oh, no, just because he comes back, just because he comes back does not mean that he did not die. In every, in every sense of the word, from, like, spiritually to emotionally, from physically in terms of pain, in terms of, like, yeah, he's not, not fucking, fucking around, around. <laughs> at, at all. <laughs> So, we going back to the rest of the cast. Uh, we have the la- we have two characters. We're going to do the last of the main, you know, good guy team of the uh, the experts of justice. We're going to go with uh, Chief Chujo, who has probably the most awesome scene in this entire goddamn OVA. Oh my god, I love Chief Chujo. He's such a He's also from Original man. Giant Robo. I just think they've changed him pretty considerably from the source material from as far as I can tell. He just that that God. scene he, he's like a fucking he's a fucking guy next he's coach <laughs> he's coach he's he's like he's like late late gynax early trigger like t- top to bottom i i love this 
this man like i i would write like dev like without making it seem like i'm tooting my own horn i guess aspirationally like most of this show feels like shit that i want to make that i want to come up with and this whole thing of like you know he's okay it's very it's very tokusatsu it's very super sentai of like he's the leader and you know the le- the leader doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest strongest man just because he's in charge so solely because he doesn't actually have to be on the front lines and that's just how like leadership works no he is he is the leader because he is the biggest <laughs> that, strongest man. Uh, we'll get to that scene when we do it when we go through this chronologically. Our summary might be a little bit messy because this is a very dense show that we we that that warners uh, garners further analysis. But like, but like yeah. But I I think of like, I think of like you know like uh, Doggy Kruger from like fucking. I forget the name of the Sentai original Sentai series, but it was Power Rangers uh, SPD. Um, I have three friends that could probably name what that is, but I'm not that friend. I'm a common writer um, guy. <laughs> That's my flavor of Toku. Uh, yeah, but it's like you know, he's like he was like the police. He was like alien dog police chief. Uh, but then in the second half of the show, he like gets his own morpher and he becomes like fucking a really cool like silver blue fucking ranger motherfucker. And he shows up more in the rest of the franchise when things get like very like overarching meta narrative uh, in ways that I don't fully comprehend. Um, there's a lot of Sentai. They did like a fucking battle royale series. Is weird as shit. Um, but yeah, I I love that kind of shit. I love this kind of shit. This is this is the most inspiring thing I've ever seen in my life, but it's almost like retroactive inspiration because it's like all this shit is already shit that I like love and have been trying to do in my work and I just this show it feels like this show was like waiting for me. Oh, we to don't find it. We have and one I've, more good guy after him. Yes. Uh you, you continue. I thought you you were on the, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just <laughs> No, I mean like like I said we're we're going to be all over the place. I'll I'll get back around to it especially once we get into the actual like events yeah. that happen. So like, Professor every cool Go fucking moment. Punished Professor Go. Yeah, just like um Kirk Thornton voiced up uh, uh Chief Shujo. Oh, neat. Um he fucking but uh Professor Go is like was like an interesting character. Every, there was a lot of what I what t- tying into into Professor Go goes into a little bit of the storytelling. Like I, uh, oh my, oh my god, one of the minor characters was voiced by David Hayter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> how much I, <clears throat> I love the storytelling of Suda Fifty One ties into this and and writers like uh, Chiaki J Konoka who um, worked on this a bit and uh, who. Uh, I don't think he, actually I don't know if Konoka directly worked on this, but Konoka worked with this director to do Big O as the writer. Mm. Where Big O is very is very similar to this. It's of the cut from the same cloth as Giant Robo. So, and I think watching this and seeing how much you love this, I think you'll also really like uh, Big O. Oh yeah, I mean like I watched Big O back in the day, so like I'm, but I'm, but I'm more sto- than ready to revisit but, uh, it as an adult. A lot. Konoka also is famous for writing Digimon Tamers and Serial Experiments Lane. Lane being one of my favorite Ugh. animes of all time, which I'm. I'm... Digi- Digimon Tamers being one of mine. Uh, uh, Kon- 
Konica also did the 2004 giant, uh, giant Robo series that nobody talks about. I don't know if that's because it's bad or because it's good and no one saw it, but we'll find out because who else is going to talk about it but us? <laughs> it's true. Uh, so Professor Go's whole thing is how I, f- I love when writers lie to you. Where, because this series Uh is a lot, a lot of the series is about misinformation. And I feel people like who don't understand anything and have bad opinions would say stuff like, oh, the writer's lazy. He's inconsistent. Oh, that contradicts what we said. So that's a, that's a plot hole. No, that's intentionally misleading the viewer. Professor Go has information about, about, about past events that he's not revealing for various reasons. Just as we have many unreliable people, not only one, only a couple characters were actually there at the at the inciting incident for this entire series. Yeah, like the, I feel like it's hard to not realize. I mean, you know, never say never. People have. I mean, have you read the re- my anime list reviews but, for this um, show? It's it's it's. I never I don't. Will. I, was gonna, I was trying to find um, some bad ones to read on the show because they'd be funny, but they just made me depressed. So I'm not doing that. Um, but, like, this one, like, this whole theme is predicated on, like, lies and cover-ups. Like, that's the whole, from, from the, from the jump, the main plot point is the mystery of what happened to a fucking nation that was wiped out of the history books, and everybody, like, so much, like, everybody who was alive... 100% 100% of the population decide to just not talk about it ever again. So, like, we're all, like, we're, like, this is already a human race whose society is, whose utopia is already built on a collective agreed-upon lie. So it's like, all bets are off in terms of people not sharing in fucking in for fucking Mation. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the neutral character? Um... Professor Vogler. <sighs> Professor Vogler. Doctor Franken von. Vogler. Uh, who apparently is named um, as Doctor von Franken in Tetsujin Twenty Eight as the main antagonist. So he's another Tetsujin stand. Uh, another Tetsujin. Uh, uh, he's the I other like Tetsujin that. character because that's more. That's specifically that's meta narratively yes. misleading the audience because also in in you see the Black Ox in the opening of of every episode you never see it in the show but in mm-hmm. in Tetris 28 he's the creator of the black ox being the other the bad guy robot yes. or one of many bad guy robots um, yeah that the to, to to tangent on that that's i love the opening so much for like showing us like a whole bunch of snippets from like like episodes that adventures that don't exist adventures that happened but we'll never see of just like random robots that giant robo presumably fought i i feel like the first Um, 90 seconds of the first episode with and of the first 90 seconds of every episode it or i think it's like two minutes even like 120 seconds summarizes everything you need to know about the world before you go in that's all it gives you yes like i I, i've come around to really liking vague storytelling you sometimes don't need to know everything. I know some people will cite Tolkien. The reason they say Tolkien is the greatest writer of all time is because he filled in so many blanks with everything. But do you honestly need to know the name of every single dragon? Do you need to know the lineage of Sauron? Do you need to know all those details to make Lord of the Rings good? The writer does. Yes. Reader doesn't. Do you, that's do I that's need the difference. The twenty, the fifty-page glossary that explains everything in the back. No, that's not that that makes you thorough. That doesn't that's not the reason you're good. 
And I feel that's a problem I have, because I've realized recently why I don't like a lot of traditional sci-fi and fantasy. Is because mm-hmm. it's like, the writer should know all of that, but I feel that so much of... So much of, like, I'm just talking like middle-of-the-road sci-fi and, and fantasy, like novels are so obsessed with the history of their worlds that they don't care much about the plot itself. Yeah, and, like, I get it, because it's, like, I I definitely have, like, without even trying, like, I, I'll have these big aha moments where I'll just, like, go on a huge world-building tangent. Like, it all just, like, flows out of my fucking brain nonstop. And then... At the end of it, I'll just I'll like, wow, cool. I sure have all of this flavor text for shit that has nothing to do with the A, B, or C plots of I'm, this fucking thing. I'm the exact like... same way with my own creative <laughs> process, but that that's what I really came around to loving about the Silver Case. Was because similar to uh, it's a it's a game you can get on Steam. I highly recommend it to absolutely anybody that likes this OVA particularly. Uh, it's a visual novel with some light adventure game elements, but mostly you're just going to be pressing a button to, predict, to to you know continue dialogue. It's mostly a visual novel. Uh, my favorite visual novel. Uh, but th- since that entire game is about government disinformation, that game is entirely about you know sense government censorship and just being in a surveillance police state with control of information, at being at the will of the government. That's how the entire game feels. The entire game is about being gaslit and being given half-truths or false-truths and everyone having conflicting information. And Mm. I've come to find that stories can be far, far, far more interesting if you just cut entire chunks out of it that the audience will never know. It's it's why David Lynch is my favorite director, because there's so much of that. In Mulholland Drive, that movie Mm. is six movies, but only one of them reaches a conclusion. There are eight plot lines that just go unresolved and they linger forever in your imagination. Sure, that can infuriate some people and that's just that's that's fine, but that's that's come to be really what I enjoy. Whenever th- this um thinking about the world building and, and lore and what we see and what we don't see, it makes me think a lot about uh about tabletop, which I've spent the last couple years getting like I miss tabletop. really into. Um and specifically, my my gateway into it was uh, was uh, friends at the table, bec- um, which is you know uh, G- GM'd by the fucking by Austin Walker, one of my favorite humans on the planet, another great Twitter follow, um, and he he is another person who will like come up with a whole world and a whole like either like a whole pantheon or like if it's a sci-fi thing, he like his most recent sci-fi season, he came up with a, a whole you know it's. It's it's a galactic empire spanning planets, and he came up with like how how why and how they have a unified calendar and how it's changed over the centuries, and like none of that fucking matters to the players, and it almost never fucking it never comes up at all. But it, it helps him ground his world and think about guessing. So, uh, ever so that aside. What do you think of Professor Vogler? Because I think he's the most interesting character in this fucking OVA. <laughs> I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how much Devin ended up cutting. I forgot that's who we were <laughs> so talking let's talk about, about. Let's talk about um, Professor Vogler. Good, good quote unquote, good quote unquote villain. Specifically because I need to call it quote unquote villain. There's there's better action. There's there's actual actual villains in this, but in terms of like you know the overarching you know what what 
what is presumed for most of the series to be like the big bad, the big boss, if you will. He, like he's not he's not there, but his will. You know what is I gotta felt. say? He's a better version of Saotome and Get Her Armageddon. <laughs> he fucking is. He's real his, fucking good. He, he, everything from his voice to like, I will say. The first time we see the first version of the tragedy of Bashtarl, that may be my favorite five minutes of animation I have ever seen, and I and I contribute that to two fucking key components: Vogler's mm-hmm. performance and the fucking uh, and the fucking aria being sung over over it. The, the the black and white shot yeah. that he, like that shot of it strobing as he turns around it's the greatest shit i have ever yes. seen in my life possible uh possible like epilepsy warning maybe there's like some there's like some black and white strobing going on i'm not sure how intense it needs to be for that to be an issue but just heads up if you plan on watching it they they flash back to that a handful of times uh and I don't know. I just making it known to anybody who's listening to this without watching it first. But yeah, but it's cool. It's a fu- it's we'll a get into it as we cool get into the plot. But Vogler has so many layers with you know he's essentially two different characters because you see eventually who he was, and then we have like the who everyone remembers him as His legacy, which is yeah. interesting. Which is an interesting way of of embodying that because. That's kind of one of the theses of the show too. Is all as, as in the final episode, it, it says the show is dedicated from all the fathers to all of their sons, or something like that. Damn. Um. Yeah. I mean this this is a, this is a show. This is another. This is one of those stories that that deals heavily with the notion of of history and the 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 the, the harsh reality that no matter what no matter what history is it has to be written and it has to be written by somebody and that that somebody will always have intentions no matter what legacy you leave people will always wonder no one knows you i mean like you can look at anyone who is the most famous i usually use john lennon as an as a as an example where like right the we, the John Lennon that we have in our heads might as well be a fictional character compared to who he was. And sure, you can read more about how he actually was, but you never met him. People are way more complicated yeah. than we ever could be. You can see somebody in their worst moments, and you can see somebody in their best moments, and you can hate somebody for ten years and then forgive them as they've changed. You can see the evolution of who somebody is as a human being, which is something you can't get unless you intimately know somebody. Like, I don't even think I know... Like... I only think I know like like twelve people that well in my life. I, don't I, mean, I think five. I think five. That's a lot total, of... honestly. Yeah, I was gonna say like, damn, a whole no, does like single hand. <laughs> Who? Um, I don't even like. That's honestly like that's one of my like on a personal note like that's that that is one of my biggest anxieties. It's like me constantly coming to terms with the fact that like i don't truly know people and that that like dwelling on that too much makes it hard to socially interact um so it it's a balancing game but yeah it's like you know like the especially especially celebrities and especially people who are loved more or either loved or celebrated more for actions 
and material things that they themselves have directly or indirectly brought to the world that outlives them. Like, Thomas Edison's a good example of that. That, that, oh yeah, no, like, almost like, like, a known, known asshole Thomas (laughs) Edison (laughs) invented a lot of great shit, uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's, and, you know, and even some of that, even that's always, even that's up in the air sometimes. I feel like, I feel like every handful of years, I'll, I'll learn that, like, that it's, it's almost proven at this point that, like, some, ran, like, name, name a famous inventor. It turns out they either stole it, or it's, like, their fucking wife came up with it, and they took all the credit, or some shit like that, and it's, like, history is in flux. The past, the past changes every day. Facts are not truth, truth are not facts. Um, and, you know, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean, or it, it doesn't have to mean, it doesn't have to mean that, like, fuck all of it. Uh, for, for, for me, for me, what it means is, like, we have to be ready. We have to be ready to recontextualize and move forward with this new shit, you know? Um, some people don't want to. We're getting into some lofty fucking themes with because this show. show is so good, Tooch. Um. Yeah. Uh. So. I feel like um. I, I feel like the best way to probably because you know we we still have the villains to talk about, and I feel like the best way to get into the villains would be to just kind of talk about them as they're introduced. That's to the, the plot, best way to do this. Okay. Uh, so, the duality of Professor Vogler aside, and how interesting that is to me as a... You don't see that a lot, especially in anime. Like, anime of this... Anime of this nature. Like, especially in, like, high high genre like, I mean, like, I feel like that's something they did, they did in Metal Gear with all of, like, interpreting the boss's will. How, like, nobody fully yes. understood what she wanted, so everybody had their own idea. And I, you can... And a lot of kind of like the post Char's counterattack Universal Century stuff is all is that like that with Char, with everybody having their uh, own, the Char. with having their, the yeah, Char. having their own interpretation of what Char's actual goals are. Which is, so it's it's cool. I, I I dig shit like that. And there's so much about this that I dig on such a spiritual, visceral level. But uh, let's 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 talk about the world, which is pretty well summarized. Where. Uh, in the beginning of every episode, where there's this, uh, there was like an energy crisis of some kind, and uh, be it mm-hmm. fossil fuels running out, or you know, not not unique, but uh, this was solved with the miraculous invention of the Shizuma drive, which is this mir- miracle battery that doesn't create any waste. It can perfectly be recycled and recharged, and it powers everything with like infinite clean energy. Yeah, like any like. And, you know, there's big ones for large machinery and generators, and, like, there's just, there's tiny ones in your handheld electronics the other side's like a double shit. A. Like, like, they pull, they, yeah, they just pull one out of a fucking flashlight. They're, it's, it's per, super batteries. It's, it's buck wild. And, yeah. like, they even say that nuclear power plants are all being dismantled. They're, they're, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much the only source of energy there is now. Which is, like, honestly, like, when you think about, when you think, and, and this might be another fucking, like, 
like CinemaSins ding fucking moment. But I also I thought about like because um we find out later like how how like so many of these people were like ch- ch- children at the tragedy of like children or like even like young adults at like the tragedy. Bostar. Bostarl. And Bostarl. And like then I look at how like not that much older everyone is and i'm like did they deadass just wipe a nation out of the history books in like 15 years like <laughs> um like like they 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 i mean that, that i feel like and then you know where the shizuma drive is concerned and how everything just immediately went to shizuma energy that is not necessarily a critique but that's all that's something i notice in most uh, sci-fi and just future presumptions in general of just like wow y- y- y'all y'all really believe that we can just like change our entire infrastructure on a dime huh like fucking but th- but does that really um, matter <laughs> no 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 no. it's just something yeah. i wanted to point out um i i just it's it's it just it, i i i think a lot about it of just like like as as soon as we like, if we invent the flying car tomorrow, no one's gonna own the flying car for twenty years, and no one's gonna be able to fucking drive it for another but like thirty. I, I, maybe it's, it's, like, it's because there was such a such a crisis. They don't really go into it too much, but it could true. be that like they were faced. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those. It's one of those things that's not important. I, I get it. I'm not. I don't actually. I don't actually want to dwell on it or try and figure out the reason. Because Doctor Keo Marv didn't I'm in this timeline didn't invent oilix. <laughs> Only five people are gonna get that joke. <laughs> I don't even. I don't you even do. Know if I we played that game together. It's Metal Gear Two: Solid Snake on the MSX. Oh, because shit, that was the whole reason. Because yeah. he got him. He got kidnapped by Zanzibar Land, and then. I'm gonna beep like all of that, and it's gonna be incoherent, but it's gonna be funny. <laughs> In other words, if you want if you want to know what any of that means, please play Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake on the MSX. It's one of the best games ever. Yeah, uh, you can you can you can get it on a copy of uh, MGS or the uh, HD collection of three. And the HD, yeah, the HD collection. Um, it's good. It's my favorite one. It's my favorite Metal Gear game. Uh, so yeah. We we basically you know it gives us the rundown like the Shizuma drive is the Shizuma drive powers everything now and it's real great and super good, but it's sort of caused you know not caused but it's like you know even even in this perfect world there are still people who want to cause problems on purpose, um, and now that the Shizuma drive exists they can d- do some fucked up shit uh, like build big scary robots and just cause t- terror you know it's basically like here is the Shizuma Drive. Some people use it for terrorism, and their name they, is Big Fire. Everything uh, for Big Fire! Every, everything for Big Fire! So, Fucking... you, you dug into into Kamen You watched all of original Kamen Rider. You watched all yes. of original Kamen Rider. How do these guys compare to Shocker? Yes. In terms of, like, old-school bad guy oh, teams. Because these... I'm not even going to call them, like an, like, an organization. They are a bad guy team in the purest sense. They are. They have a convoluted hierarchical structure that doesn't really make much sense. They they have a ton of hooded goons, and I legit mean goons. Everyone is fervently ready to die for their cause. Um, I like them better. Like I like them better than Shocker. It 
it it you know it it doesn't help that like the whole conceit of Common Rider is that Common Rider needs to flashily foil every single plan they come up with in twenty four minutes. So you know it's hard to make them seem like a threat when when a bug man does that to you ninety eight times in a row. Uh, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like, big, big fire is every single villain in a big fire is even, the coolest man on the planet. Even when we see the, the other planet. big 10 in like the last two episodes for a bit, the magnificent, the magnificent 10, 10. they uh, and they are, these guys are lawful um, evil to the fucking core in the best way of someone could be lawful evil. That's the thing, right? Because it's like I I feel like and again w- without without overthinking it because it's not the point. Like, although I'm about to, like I I really got the sense that it's like they like they legitimately they just legitimately politically believe that the ten of them and and their main man and their main uh, man Big Fire he's barely here. Big Fire is based almost entirely on the main character of Babel Two. Yeah, that's I I I kind of I I knew he must have been based on something because he's just like this silent but well designed anime boy, um, and but but so like I like they they earn you know as as much of a as much of cackling villains as they all are whenever they're left to their own devices and like talk amongst themselves whenever you see them just being big fire in like a day to day scheming like they're an organization like they have goals like they just earnestly believe that they could run the world better than how the world's being run out. Like, we should just run all of this. We could do a better job. We can do a better job than these people. It's fine. Like, yeah. They, they, like, I, I feel like they're, they're like, like, I don't know. There, there's so many different flavors of villains that I like. And I feel like the, they remind me of, like, a specific kind of wrestling heel. Like, not the kind that would, like, sneak mm-hmm. in a weapon or a fork or, like, distract the ref, but the one that would, like, verbally put you down and destroy you because I'm just objectively better than you are. But I'm going to do it fairly just to make uh, it hurt even more. It's like uh, it's like an honorable bad um, guy. It's great. Yeah, I I fucking I love that. I love that. It, it's shit like a very, lot. once again very um, very wuxia, very like kung bad kung fu bad guy. Like the villain in yeah, like a Bruce Lee movie um, or like a or like a Jackie Chan or like like the bad guy from the original Drunken Master. Big Fire is an entire organization of people who would otherwise be the anti-hero who eventually defects because no one else is as honorable as them so they can't do this shit anymore you know like it's like fucking it's it's 10 vegetas <laughs> 10 vegetas that can keep their um, cool yeah right it's 10 it's it's 10 huh 10 piccolos yes actually yes Honestly, if there were ten piccolos, I think he would have already taken over the earth. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, opposing them are, is the International Police Force, and they're experts of justice, and that's all you need to know. That's all you And they command the power of the most powerful robot ever, Giant Robo, and its operator, Daisaku Kusama. That's all you need to know. Um, real talk? With, I, I had this thought driving home, and I just remembered it today for the show. This show takes the idea 
of a bunch of disparate heroes that don't aesthetically go together forming a coherent team and telling a compelling like world-threatening narrative like making you feel like a history that doesn't necessarily exist even though you know they're even though they're rooted in a in a core one like they did this they did that in one movie and it took Mar- it took Disney and Marvel like t- 10 fucking years of a bunch of movies that half of them are okay at best to do what they did with the fucking the last two Avengers movies. And they're not as good as Giant Robo yeah. the Day the Earth I mean, Stood Still. Ch- I think like 98% of things are not as good as Giant Robo the Day the Earth Stood Still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but I feel like but like I just realized today I think that they I think that they are going for the same fundamental story. I I I think in ways that even you know neither of them probably think about because they're not necessarily influencing one another, but they both exist in this similar space of like fucking what are the Avengers if not just like experts of justice that were just kind of rounded up because they are the weirdest motherfucker, the the weirdest least killable people that's on the more, planet. Th- that's th- that's like um, th- there reminds me of, once again I brought up Doom Patrol earlier. There's a there's a part in Doom Patrol where um, where they're kind of like what like somebody like toward the end Doom Patrol really unravels in an interesting way in only a way that Grant Morrison could unravel Doom Patrol where everyone's kind of like why are we even fighting this threat like why are we doing this and then do- robot man pretty much says because that's what we do we're just we're a bunch of fucked up weirdos and we deal with those shit that's too weird for the justice league because they're busy yeah. <laughs> like, this is too weird for them we gotta fight the per- we gotta fight the two-dimensional guy who wants to trap all of paris in a painting just because he believes just because he believes reality is absurd we gotta stop the guy that's literally driving a, a, a bus powered by magical hallucinogenics that's causing the entire world to trip on acid we deal with that because the Justice League's busy punching gigantic. They're, they're busy fighting Dark Side. Uh, we gotta yeah. deal with the shit that's too. It's yeah, so they're, no. they're, I don't know. I like, I like, any excuse for me to talk about Doom Patrol, but <laughs> they're like it reminds me of that, and that's um, anything that makes, makes me think of Doom Patrol is good in my book. Yeah, it 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 does give off. I think unintentionally it does give off like some some fucking DC Marvel vibes just because this is this story Giant Robo is doing on purpose what I think Marvel and DC sort of stumbled into of just like some dudes in this some like some dudes in the in like the the 70s were like oh what if all of these what if all these disparate superheroes that we market on in in our line of comics uh what if they all like live near each other, <laughs> and then, and the rest is a mostly tragic history of dumb bullshit? So fucking bad, bad call, fucking in my opinion, bad idea. So um, we open in Peking, Crisis on One Earth. This one, this one. Crisis in Peking. So this <laughs> this show just starts with an exciting train chase because oh, everything should start on a train. We got this. We can we That's talk true. about for a moment? We haven't talked about this yet, but the aesthetic of this show. I mean, what needs to be fucking said? It's, like, if you're not if you're not hooked on the aesthetic after the opening, like, turn it off and don't talk to me again. The, like, uh, apparently, <laughs> this is what 
This OVA in particular is what revitalized interest in going for a retro aesthetic in manga and anime going forward. This Good. this because like from there on it was just a linear progression, and then there was no like oh let's go and try to emulate stuff Gonagai was doing, Kanishikawa, Tezuka, Yokoyama, uh, like the the '70s ballers. Yeah, and th- um. this is what did it, which is in- amazing. It just everything is covered in gigantic fucking rivets everything is big it's this is diesel punk despite not running on actual diesel this is like the best if someone calls a steampunk i slap them like in that batman meme it's <laughs> diesel punk <coughs> oh it, it 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 it's good i like rivets i fucking love rivets I, I can, you know, and and it's a testament to how far-reaching its influence was, because like again, everything I love about this is shit that I already loved, and the shit that I already loved, I could, pr- I probably could and will follow the trail back to Giant and did. Robo. And so, was, like, did, this, did this feel like a moment of completion? Like, like something, something like fine, like you finally finished a, a big piece of the puzzle. I mean, honestly, like, it felt, I mean, God, this is, like, this is narrativizing my own life in a way that I probably, in a point that, like, is, I don't know, I don't know, but I, it felt more like, it felt more like the start of something, it felt more like I'm ready, I'm ready now, like, I, 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 and I guess that was more of, like, you know, this, me finally seeing Giant Robo both closed closed the chapter and started that's how i felt when i when i when i read invisibles for the first time like i felt Mm. the invisibles was everything i needed to read at that exact moment and it i i became a different person when i closed when the person who opened issue one was not the same person who closed the final the final chapter the final issue forgot how many issues are in invisible i think it's like 68 total damn so close (laughs) i forget i think it's less than 70 (laughs) It's it's a high sixties. I I don't want to look it up. Are you looking it up? <laughs> I gotta know if it's the sex number, Devin. <laughs> um, how do I find that information? It doesn't say. Okay. Oh wait, I need to do math. What's twenty five plus twenty two plus twelve? Twenty five plus. 22 plus 12. I know it's 59. Okay, it's shorter than shit. Shit! 59. Grant Morrison should have wrote 10 more goddamn issues. So close. I got so excited when I did that first part and ended in 9. So, this is where we open with uh, Professor Shizuma, who who is also a good character. Professor Shizuma is running with an attache case, being chased by a a, uh, big fire goon. I'm gonna call them goons. Yeah, I will also say that, like, I will also say that the uh, the the goons, the big fire, the big fire henchmen, uh, suffer from something my 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 beautiful non my non-binary wife JB and I have coined as unfortunate lips. I f- at f- and that's at all first, I'll say. I thought it was blackface, and I was like, oh, but then I'm like, it's oh, not, they're all yeah. wearing hoods. It's not. That is the. That is the explanation. That is the narrative and meta narrative explanation. But the imagery, devoid of context, of a pitch black face with those lips, has 
has a history yeah. regardless. So that's all I'll say. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, you know, it's not for me to judge. I'm white. Same. But it didn't. <laughs> um, It's a thing. That's all I'll say. You know, if that bothers I, I don't, you, that's you know, bad. I, 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 br- I bring it up. I bring it up so that you're not. So I bring it up so that anybody watching it who would be bothered by that knows about it up front and can like can make their own call on that beforehand and they don't have to have the experience ruined for them because they didn't fucking know, you know? Also, it um, comes from a different place where it comes more from just like the Japanese cherry-picking elements from Western animation but not having the context for the racism behind it. That, yeah. And again, that, that, that place is still one of, you know, I don't want to yeah, get into it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's... <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Everybody can, everybody can make their own fucking call. I just wanted to say it so that people going into it knew it ahead of time and can, and can make their own I, calls I, on it. Uh, we, are not, we are not the people to fucking have I think have the best way to put it is I, listen, I watched this punk rock documentary that was talking about the Nazi imagery in early British punk rock where... Mm-hmm. It was most where one of four, I forgot who it was. I think it was one of the Sex Pistols or somebody said like, none of this looks very good, but it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll agree to I'll agree to that much. I just don't want to. Well, I'm not defending it. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. I'm not at defending all. it. Uh, yeah 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 yeah. But um, but no yeah. So but the, regardless, I I do. I do, I do love the, at the very least, I love the aesthetic of the uniform goons who all, for whatever fucking reason, look exactly the same with the exact same build and voice, but they are all supposed to be different people. Shocker combat, man. Um, love that. Key, 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 key. The, the, the first, the first handful of episodes, it actually takes a minute for them to look like the classic skeleton people. At first, they're these really weird, just like zombie dudes in berets with like weird green and red face paint. It, it just isn't as, it just doesn't catch your eye as good. Dude, show a toku Um, is just a ton of people just doing whatever, and it's great. They have, they have, they have weekly access to a quarry. And they make the and best they have, out of it. They have a lot of, they have a lot of paint, a lot of foam rubber. They have a lot now in the case, and now in modern common era, they have access to a parking a single floor of a parking garage, another quarry, <laughs> one neighborhood street, and like a construction site, and 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 an office building that they sometimes need to make look like a school, or or a police like headquarters, <laughs> or anything. Yeah, <laughs> and some green screens. That's all they got. Yeah, I love Toku. Um, but but no, yeah. And then like for a while they had the they had the masked like faces, but they didn't have the skeleton pattern on them. And then eventually they got to the skeleton. But uh, it's all it's all. Professor Shizawa is running along, being chased by 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 problematic uh, bad guys. Uh, so and it's it's exciting because so, it's almost he's almost about to get killed when suddenly Tetsugu and Genrei show up, and it's just this this awesome. Beautifully animated. Every the animation of this is just stellar, stellar, stellar. They they had time, budget, and good direction. The three things you really need to for good animation. Like you know, there's there's that whole triangle of quality of like you can like you can you can have it you can have it good you can have it fast you can have it cheap but you can't have uh, you can't have all all three like they didn't need to have it cheap so they had the first two, um, but like um. It's it's a yeah it's a trifecta they just they just it this just comes out so well and it made me it made it makes me miss 
it it makes me wish that there were more OVAs like this. I feel like I feel like even in like I want more stuff like this in the West. I want more miniseries. I miss miniseries. Yeah, every, not everything needs to be spun off and franchised, which is a problem. Just uh, blame everyone wants more money. <clears throat> Dry, squeeze everything until every good idea is gone, and we do it until it's bad, and then it ends because it's bad. Yeah, no. It turns like, out that's Like, once bring up Prisoner um, again, Patrick McGowan wanted it to be seven episodes because he thought it would only, that's how long you could stretch the premise. It was going to be five, it was going to be the pilot, four episodes, then the two-part finale. And then, the, uh, apparently in negotiating, uh, he, they, um, they couldn't broadcast it in the U.S. if it was that short, because CBS wouldn't buy it. So then he, the producer was like, you need 26, and then he negotiated it down to 17. Damn. Um, and he says it should have always been that's... 7, is what he says, like, in the interview. He's like, it always should have been 7. Which is funny, because it's <laughs> 17 bangers, all the episodes are great. <laughs> Dang, I wonder if I wonder if he ever considered like making like a making like a director's cut, but it's just seven episodes. <laughs> um, but um, but no, like yeah, and and I, I think a lot about, I think a lot about how successful like Over the Garden Wall was in recent memory, and that was like a cartoon miniseries, and it, it's the exact same. You know, it it they didn't make one episode per year; they they made a whole season of animation in a year, but it still was leaps and bounds fucking better than something serialized that is expected to make more episodes continuously on on a tighter schedule like they had they, they had a bigger budget they fucking got like fucking christopher lloyd is fucking voices voices a recurring character in the garden wood. wall yeah. like elijah wood vo- elijah wood voices the main character like in um, the end what i think i wish art was more concise because everything is all... Everybody wants to have the MCU. Everybody wants to have the franchise. Everybody wants the franchise that they can milk forever for money. But I... It, it's, once again, it's why money ruins art. And I'm sorry if this offends you and your capitalistic ideals. I mean, yeah. And, and you know, if... I, I, I see it... I, I always try to... T- I always try to take a... Take a... Take a pragmatic... Like, as objective of an approach as I can when talking about these things. Because I feel like it... You know, some people you're just not going to be able to fucking convince. Well, you, you don't like, need to convince everybody. I, I try to I do mean, my best. You're... Yeah, exactly. But it, it just helps me ground my ideas when I think about it this way. It's like, okay, so it's like you have the the i the notion is, oh well, if it's fucking the notion is like, oh well, you know, if it's the notion of oh, if it's popular, then it's good, like. N- there's so many there's so many other reasons that that's wrong but like well, like in in terms of quality and in terms of profitability um if if a shit ton of people like the same thing it means it's either doing a lot of different shit so that multiple people can enjoy it while usually also simultaneously not usually not making any kind of super focused theme or thesis or or like because when you have shit like that a, a lot of, that that's why the bet like the best shit is stuff that like most people like quote unquote don't get cuz it's like not it's it's not for you um so you can't you can't have you can't you can't make good art good art 
almost by definition can't be mass appeal because people are different and they need different art for different people. So it's like the MC, like you know, like the MCU is like super entertaining to a mass audience, but that because by and large it isn't fucking saying anything at all. Like I was about to say, other than like I don't know, like good versus evil, but. It, 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 it tries to play in that space too, like it has any right to, and it always fails. Um, like, make something, make something for you, and then it'll resonate. It'll resonate with the people that it needs to. But because we live in a capitalist society, you can't make a living doing that, and so no one does because you can't because you have to eat food to and live. And that, and that's the tragedy of the artist. That's why money yeah. ruins art. I mean, it was always like, um, what is it, that art is always the compromise between between your vision and reality? Uh, mm-hmm. it could, you can stretch it to also extend the meaning what we were talking about. It's it's sad. I'm, dep- I'm getting depressed. <laughs> I want to talk about Giant Robo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in this movie that is, at, in this series of OVAs that are beautiful, uh, everyone's fighting over the attache case that Professor Shizuma has, when suddenly... The train turns into a big-ass, like, mole robot. It's awesome. It's very good. When suddenly we have probably the best character introduction I've ever seen. Just the the giant robo theme starts playing, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You don't really see, even though it's a big hulking robot, you don't see it. You see it between, like, between the skyscrapers. Yeah, it's it's like it casts, like, a big silhouette, and you just hear everything rumbling, and you see the street and subways and windows just shatter as it walks by. Oh! Yeah, and it just, like, it's just, like, this big, mechanical, guttural... It sounds like a Buddhist chant, almost. It's... It's hardcore. I want... I I, I want that as, like, my text Uh, Funny enough, you know what my alarm clock is in the morning? It's the red shoulder Mm. anthem. (laughs) Do, 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 (laughs) do. It scares the shit out of me every morning. That would give that. Yeah, I was about to say that's that's. A th- I guess that's one way to fucking g- 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 wake so yourself Kiriko up. So woke up every morning. An anxiety attack. <laughs> it's probably how Kiriko woke up, but suddenly. It's how Kiriko woke up after a sound fucking probably like twenty <laughs> minutes of sleep. He 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 was woken up by that and multiple sounds of gunfire. <laughs> Just wise, just wise man, just wise man waiting until like just as soon as he's closed his eyes for a little too long. <laughs> so, watch, watch, watch Armored Trooper Votes. I, I love how Daisaku just holds on to like a, like a ladder on its head. Yes, everything about so everything good. about the sequence was incredible. When it and then Giant Robot just fights it. Tetsugu is unimpressed with with Daisaku. Yeah, like we 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 get the because sh- we 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 get like Tetsugu and uh, uh, Ginrei, who was like momentarily cosplaying as like fucking uh, who was that Street Fighter character <laughs> with the like the the, the trench oh, coat, Q. The metal yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, why is Q. I said I said that exact thing. I was just like, why is why is Q from Street Fighter Three in this? Because <laughs> for a second I was like, wait, is 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 Q based on like a Yokoyama character? <laughs> I mean, Possibly. fucking maybe. Uh, I think that that's just like an aesthetic. I think like that. that I think it's very um, not Ishikawa. Um, it's Ishinomori. very Ishinomori, especially with the scarf. Um, it's 
the scarf and like the the eyes and because like he, he has Ishinomori has multiple characters that just look like that. Uh, <laughs> just because it's like it's Kikaider and then there's like uh, I think it's called like Detective Robo or something like that. Robot Detective, Robot Detective, not a great name. Well, it's Roboto Keiji, um, by Ishinomori, and I think it is just a fucking robot in like. Do you imagine if scarf. this director did like a Cyborg Zero Zero Nine thing? God fucking shit. Yeah. Would that be even yes. more that might even be more your jam than even this was? If given the same level of care and I don't know, this is really we'll my see. fucking jam. I love I I love androids. I there, there's a special place in my heart for small but robots. Giant robo. Relative relative, but Devin Hinn's so, so big. So uh they get the case and they take they go back to the um to the to the the, the, the Peking headquarters of the IPO. To mm-hmm. which it's revealed that Shizuma, he's the creator of the Shizuma Drives. And he's, like, fucking freaked out. He's, like, shook. And he keeps saying mm-hmm. that, like, th- he, this is all his fault. Or, like, he, he they can't have what's in this case. But he won't let anybody open it. He's, like, clutching it. Like, nah. He's, like, manic. And we cut to we cut to France. Where we see, where we see fucking uh, Keiji Murasame. Kenji Murasame. And uh, he's on mm-hmm. he's on like this fam- I think he's at the I think he's at like fucking Notre Dame like cathedral and just like two of the other scientists that invented the Shizuma driver is hanging there and Murasame is like what the fuck who who did this when suddenly Professor Vogler shows up again like and he, he's just like what the fuck you're dead why are you alive here and Vogler essentially just laughs and says like this is revenge that's why I'm back it's this is all about my revenge. To it, and then it like ambiguously cuts there, going back to the IPO, where we get a really cute scene of everybody interacting. We we start we see that like Tetsugu is not too fond of of of, of Daisaku Ginrei and, and Daisaku bond like immediately, and Tetsugu is like as the Seiyu were really endeared by a Tetsugu is really like loud and aggressive and incredibly submissive around Ginrei. Yeah, no, he's he's just. God, um, whatever the nice version, whatever the nice non-mean version of a simp is. <laughs> a sub. That's what he is! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, big, big, what a, he's a, he's just a big <laughs> bottom. And so he, he's like angry that is paying more attention to this fucking 12-year-old than him when Taiso shows up and teases him about it, telling him that he's like, that he's such a child that Daisaku seems mature by comparison. Oh man, and that's that is such that is that is great character establishment because we then by the end of this series that dynamic gets utterly flipped. Yeah. In in a beautiful in a, such a beautiful way for both characters. So from there, uh, we 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 meet Alberto the Impact and Ivan his uh his assistant his driver. <laughs> Who are both from the yeah, uh, the manga Mars, which in, also by Yokoyama, which interestingly enough was loosely adapted into Six Robot God Combiner God Mars. Very, very loosely, I, I want to say it, it shifts it to being a super robot show. Was God Mars the one that also had another very, very loosely movie? No, you're thinking that didn't even have the robot in it. That was really no. You're thinking weird. of Go Shogun. Go show God Mars there. has like it's like you know God Mars he has kind of like a mohawk and like a weird key yeah God yeah. Mars 
Goku got my Yeah. So at this point, Alberto, the impact, is all like, we got to get that case back. And so uh, Tetsuki and Taiso are out, get are going, they're going bar hopping. And like Tetsuki is causing a traffic jam because he's so drunk and Taiso is like lifting him with like, a single hand. I, I like, because, like, wh- what I was expecting, what I was expecting was, oh, we're, we're going out drinking, wink, and then what they were really doing was pinning down and, uh, pinning down and, like, you know, fun- funneling Albert, Alberto, where they wanted him, because, you know, that traffic jam is what made them take a different route, and then the rest happened, but, like, no, they had no idea he was fucking there, they were out drinking, got too rowdy, it's complete yeah. happenstance, fucking... <laughs> It's, it's beautiful. It's great. Uh, to which we then have an amazing sequence where we see Alberto the Impact is probably the coolest character ever, ever. He's where he so just fucking... He literally just I... shows up at their front door and starts fucking shit up. Like, all right, war, let's go. <laughs> I'll walk. Oh, God. And uh, I, I appreciate that fucking uh, uh, Daisaku's voice actor, like, mentioned of just, like, I, I I don't know what it is. I just I just, I just really think, like, older, like, like older male characters in anime are just like the fucking coolest. Like I, I like. Fucking, I love middle aged men. I, I really like. I re- like. I like middle aged men, and the fucking Ginrays say you is like no, you fuck, you love them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were cute. If you have the opportunity to watch that, listen to that commentary, please do. It's it's really fun. It's it's so very cute. very cute. Um, to uh, so th- during this attack, uh, we see what's inside the Shizuma Drive. The, it, it, what's inside of it is a prototype Shizuma Drive, which leads to Professor Go seeing it and going, "Oh shit, fuck!" It's a prototype, bigger Shizuma Drive. Three of which, when put together, caused the tragedy of Bostarl, or Bas Bostar. How do you, I always forget it. What is it? It's the the tragedy. I of... always I always just went by how they were saying it and it's you know it's japanese pronunciation so who could say but like for english i i i mentally in my head just called it ba- bashtarl yeah the um the tragedy of bashtarl where like we cut we cut this flashback of like shizuma vogler and a couple other go and a couple other guys were all part of this team from they were called the belgium team uh where they mm-hmm. got together to try to stop the energy crisis and Professor Vogler was all like, you know, once again, if sacrifice can, happiness cannot be attained without greater sacrifice. So we must do this this dangerous experiment that could potentially destroy the entire world because if we can't endure this, we can't endure anything, is what he pretty much is saying with like his whole thing about the the holy night. And if we're if we're too scared, yeah. like it, it's kind of like the. The that we have we have to have the balls to drop the atom bomb. That and God. so everyone's like, no, fuck that, I'm out of here. <laughs> to which Vogler then um, inserts all three of the drives in this beautiful sequence where this like whole eye thing opens and it's, which we later learn might not have been the entire truth. <laughs> so it seems that Big Fire are being led right now by a dude named Genya who we don't really know much about, aside from the fact that he sleeps in, like, skin-tight black briefs. He's, he's a... He's, he's, he's a he's sexy, sexy man, and he has, like, some sort of connection to all this. But it seems that what they're tr- what Big Fire are trying to do is to cause a second tragedy of Bosch Darl.
Yes. Sorry, I'm just brain. And uh, which we learned in this. We've been going for like yeah. almost three hours. The ne- so the next episode opens with us learning a little more about what that means. So apparently, after what happened, after Vogler did this dangerous experiment, the entire country ten years ago, the entire country of Bashtarl completely ceased to exist. Uh, yeah. They, um, they, they, it literally got wiped off the map, and then they wiped it off of the They maps. wiped it off of the maps, and apparently this is the day the Earth stood still. It, all, yes. it, call, it call, all technology ceased to function for, like, a week. Um, and obviously, when, uh, when, infra- when, when everything just, when everything stops, things get things bad. St- and uh, they go into pretty big, pretty gra- gra- graphic detail of like, huh. yeah, hospitals. Let me tell you, Devin. Uh, let me tell you, Devin. Can't yeah. relate. Don't know what that's. Don't know what it's like to live in something. Oh no, not that. at all. Everything's perfectly in, fine. I'm going in, to work every day. In tw- in 2020, everything's great. <laughs> everything's. <laughs> so this is why Shizuma is entirely terrified. He keeps saying that this is all of his fault. He should never have invented the Shizuma drive, and everyone's like, "What the." F- fuck why are you saying that you literally saved the world with this and he just is like i don't have the courage to really tell you why i don't have the courage to do anything anymore i'm just running i'm running for my own sins uh he's just like he spends this whole show just being like a terrified screaming terrified old man with six sunglasses with six sunglasses and a and a wild crab-esque haircut his hair is wild Hmm. So from here, Tetsugu uh, shows up, and they manage to fight back Alberto, but they uh, at the cost of Shizuma's life. Where Shizuma, where what Big Fire are meaning to do is they're creating an anti an anti Shizuma field, which is expanding out outward. Uh, Alberto is fought is is beaten back, and we cut back to France where we left Murasame in the last episode where suddenly all of Paris is just destroyed by Vogler and the emergence of this thing called the Vogler Sphere, this gigantic circular orb with an eye on it. They just keep calling it the yeah. orb, and it's, it's real the orb, good. The, uh, like the Vogler Sphere is such a good name for it. Which kicks off kind of the second episode, because they managed to beat back Alberto because Issei and uh, Yoshi show up as reinforcements. In the second episode, they mm-hmm. rush in. That's how that happens. Sorry, the order of everything is a little oh, yeah. blurred because there's a lot that happens. So we are, our, our, our summary might not be nearly as concise as it usually is, but we're going to try to get the broad strokes of, of the plot. I think I think they're tuning in for the classic retrospective experience. I Hell think yeah. it's fine. <laughs> so from here, it seems... That, so uh, right at the end, uh, Reda Shizuma is dying. He, he reveals to... Daisaku that Giant Robo does not run on a does not run on a Shizuma drive. So it's immune to the it's immune to the to the uh, it's immune the to the sphere in the field. To which Yeah, because the, the sphere the sphere it specifically shuts down like right now it's at a point where it only shuts down yes. Shizuma drives. But that's fine because that's what everything yeah. is on. Um because that's and except Giant Robo runs on nuclear energy, which is why Shujo says we can't use it anymore. It's, yeah, because that's that's bad. It's it's a fucking 
it's a big nuclear reactor that is constantly getting into that's, fights. That's not good. So he's like, Daisaku, you're grounded, and Daisaku does not take this well. Yeah, this is when, th this is when, like, Daisaku's, is, like, world kind of shatters a little bit, because up, up until this point, he's sort of just been given free reign to do whatever, uh, and as humble, as humble of a boy as he is, I think he is still a boy, and I, and he, he, this is where we do, st where we as an audience start to also realize, like, oh, okay, he, he maybe has been letting this get to his head in a way that, like, nobody has ever, nobody has really brought up before just because, like, we, we need giant robo, so we're gonna, we're gonna give this boy way more responsibility than we should give him, um, and everybody just has to be fine with it, but now that that is being called into question, suddenly Daisaku has to start really considering where he stands in this hierarchy and suddenly he's just a fucking kid and he hates it. And it's it. Tetsugu that I think helps him steal it. Because Tetsugu is sitting here being mm -hmm. here. Tetsugu is being bitter and saying like, oh, this kid's just a kid? Let me... I will help him get his his big robot back and show how, how much of an irresponsible kid he is by letting him charge in and fuck up. And then mm -hmm. I will look awesome in comparison <laughs> to it. Nothing bad. Nothing is wrong with this plan. It's great and good, and so, I'm a genius. My brain is huge. It's me, Tetsugi. My so brain is meanwhile, huge. the uh, the experts of justice get on their awesome zeppelin. Ginrei will let me touch her breast for this one. Yes. I'm sure that is literally the only thought he has <laughs> every day. <laughs> oh, I love I love a good himbo. So, at this point, uh, the the IPO, the IPO, the experts of justice, are getting their badass battle zeppelin, and are like, "We're gonna head to France." We, I love, I love a good, I just love a good airship. It's great. Zeppelins beat helicarriers. I don't fucking care. Get out of here, Avengers. All these <laughs> classic heroes of Chinese mythology and literature will totally kick your ass. And also, and giant, also Robo. giant Robo, fucking fucking Paul Giant Robo kill Paul Rudd. Oh, bam! He just gets like insta gibbed. Oh, funny funny quip about a thing. I'm it's me, Paul Funny Man. I got hit in the I got hit really hard. I'm dead now. That's my Paul Rudd impression. That's my Ant Man impression. It's good. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like how I told you it was good. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so, oh at this point, uh, their plan is they're going to, they got these, like, these super dope looking, like, half ceramic artillery cannons that are going to fire mm -hmm. this, like, containment field. They're going to, like, we're going to, we're going to, we got it. So we got, we got Genya in the Vogler Sphere. That's his entire deal. Uh, everyone's there trying to contain it when Ivan, Alberto's assistant, uh, turns his car into a gigantic owl robot called Uranus, which I think is taken straight out of Mars. It would stand to reason what with the and name. And so Mars is also fully translated, which I want to do when we closer when we get to God Mars. Because it would be a Gaiden. It's not a super robot show at all. 
I don't think right. there's robots in it. Aside, there might be. I don't rem- I don't know anything about it besides what I read. So, uh, called Uranus, and Giant Robo shows up. To which everyone's like, "Wait, why is Giant Robo here?" And that's that's it's great. Uranus and Giant Robo have a good fight, and Giant Robo blows the shit out of it. When shit, everything has such weight in the animation. It's so heavy. Like you can see it. Like when my favorite is when he takes when he takes a step. And you can see, his, like, his entire lower leg just, like, sink. And then, like, it's, it's like, there's, like, clearly some sort of shock absorbency going on. And it just, like, vibrates in this way. And it's just so fucking good. It, it, Giant Robo has the thing that I like that enough, that more mechs should do. Where there's, like, like there's, like, a, a vinyl fabric of some kind in between the joints covering everything up. Like, I love that shit so That's why hard. you like Pat Labor so much in terms of design. Yes! So we get so what we get to now is um, the, the another big fight's happening around the ruins of Paris where Alberto is fighting Tyso, and at this point Tyso is buying time for everybody to get the operation to succeed. Uh, at this point, Uranus is fighting Giant Robo, and Tyso dies pretty early on. I was surprised. I thought Tyso was going to last longer, and he yeah. just gets a whole shot through him, and he's still talking, and it's great because he's Tyso. And, like, Alberto is, like, because Alberto's even, like, mourning the death of his rival. It's it's very, it's very, I, they're such good bad guys. Everyone is honorable. Where he's like, wait, you totally let yourself die so that, like, he's like, what? I, I didn't even mean to kill you with that. Why, like, you let me kill you so that you could get this over with? And he's like, yeah, like, my, <laughs> happiness cannot be achieved without, without greater sacrifice. And, and he... Alberto's just like that sucks. My boyfriend's su- dead. There is nothing more intimate than my rival, <laughs> who I write loving poetry about how much Shown I want to beat the shit out of you every day, and I can't wait till we have another fight. <laughs> they're in, they're in, they're in, they're in rival love. It's like, dude, didn't Kate Beaton make make a comic about that like forever ago? <laughs> oh yeah, just like uh, like if it's just uh, like Alberto the impact, <laughs> just like like swooning against a wall just like oh no Tyso you found me <laughs> it was it was Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes I think in the comic <laughs> yeah something I, uh, like those that was fun I, I, I like I like that comic a lot <laughs> so Daisaku then is like but the operation isn't really working the, the Vogler sphere is too powerful to which Daisaku is like it's okay I got giant robo I'm gonna punch it <laughs> yeah he's he he really just like takes the notion of like I'm the only one that can stop this to heart. It's like yeah, th- just because that's technically true doesn't mean it's easy as easily done as said. Like he just tries to punch this big orb and it just does like, not work. Like giant Robo's entire it's... arm explodes. Um, this and and then everything that happens after this is like my one of my favorite sequences in the show. Like, it, it solidified itself for me I'll as, let you take as the something wheel, then, that fundamentally Because this is where cares. my memory gets fuzzy. <laughs> it, it's, it's, the sequence, the sequence fundamentally just, like, solidifies itself as, like, y- you know, regardless of how great the world building is, like, this fundamentally seals itself as, like, oh, no, we, we care so much more about the, um, the emotional weight and themes of, of this than, like, you know, the A, B, and C, like, on paper narrative. Because, like, so, Giant Robo, like, is down for the fucking count. He tries to get up, and he's crying. 
Yes, yes, he's crying. He starts like leaking, and it's not even like like it's it's not even like it doesn't even look like oil. It's just dead ass tears coming out of this fucking robot that like is. I don't ever. I don't think we ever get a super good notion of how conscious he is, like, because that's not important. Um, because uh, again, he's just like a real. He's just like a good horse. This is the fucking scene in Never Ending Story where the horse sinks into the swamp, like. Except the um, horse is the size of a skyscraper like, and weighs five hundred tons. Uh, good horse. Um, I and and and. He's just like weeping into his communicator watch, trying so hard to wake this robot up, and it's just like, just like, just like dying. Um, and then that goes into the next episode where it's basically just like abort mission. We gotta go. Like shit. Like shit's hit the fan now. Like everything is now happening, and none of it's good or good for us. We have to like the the IPO just has to fucking bounce. Um. Because we, we have yet to mention Ko and, and Shaku, the, the samurai, like, or not even, I think he's not even samurai, I think he's uh, supposed to be like a uh, like a Chinese warrior of some kind, who's like this weird phantom shadow spirit thing with a sword. Yeah, n- ne- never speaks, never really, he never dies, uh, well he does at one point at the end, I think, I don't know, I don't know, uh, hard to kill, uh, like most characters in this show. <laughs> um... Yeah, so it's like there's just so many villains and good guys running around and fighting at various points, but then basically what happens is like they they the, the IPO tries to escape via the airship, but wh- while um like wh- while Tyso cuz like that that the Tyso thing happens after all of this. I'm pretty sure. Because the only reason they get away at all is because Tyso is still alive, holding the fort, using his energy, electricity powers to to power the otherwise incapacitated, uh, like lasers that are keeping the yeah. orb in place. Um. So while there, he he is like he is he is keeping them on while the rest of the team escapes. Um. But the reason he's trying extra hard is because not only do they have to escape. They have to get Giant yeah. Robo out of there. That's why Tyson dies. Yeah, be- because if Giant Robo is there when when it when the orb like activates, it's gonna cause a nuclear reaction explosion and like everything's gonna fucking die. Uh, so so basically, what on on the surface level seemed at first like oh okay well you know giant robo is a machine it was bested by a more powerful machine no you fucking moron i say to myself giant robo failed because i'm brain farting on the kid's name holy shit daisaku daisaku yeah i fucking i don't know why uh well cuz it's almost fucking it's 12:30 in the morning um daisaku it's because fucking Daisaku didn't believe in Giant Robo enough or whatever. His heart wasn't pure enough for Giant Robo to be powered up sufficiently. And it's like, that's dumb. And he starts... Because w- he, he spends the entire their, their entire exit, like, you know, they, they bounce in the airship and get away. And as they're flying away and leaving the city, he's just, like, looking out the window, like, traumatized. And just, like, trying, like, crying into his watch, trying to, like, very half-heartedly trying to get Giant Robo to come back. But then, like, as everybody's just sort of, like, 
kicking themselves while they're while they're down, just like admit like, well, we fucked up where we lost um my wife, my big Yoshi. blue wife. Yoshi stands up, uh uh and is like Yoshi! No. She stands up and is like fucking basically just gives like the empowering like fucking like we haven't given up like it's not over till it's over all that good our, my all husband good died so that we could get away we have not lost yet yes don't don't um, don't, don't ruin his sacrifice he'd hate that <laughs> yeah yeah and so that gives him the power and reignites his heart and he like fucking like pleads with giant robo he basically apologizes like giant robo i'm sorry i fucked up like i was a dumb kid but like i'm ready to do a good job now and be a big be a big hero and then giant robo fucking reactivates and just jettisons like his jetpacks just fucking explode and he just rockets into the fucking sky out of nowhere and like grabs onto the fucking airship that is somehow not weighed down by this big thing it it doesn't matter (laughs) It does not fucking matter. Because this is when they the Vogler sphere breaks free, and I think this is when they the big fire starts gets on board the ship. Because I think that's where episode four starts. Yeah, basically, big fire gets on board the Vogler's ship. Vogler's there himself. The... <clears throat> or it seems to be. Yeah, yeah, seems to be. I am. I think I did ask just like missed. Missed what Vogler ended up being. Vogler was, was just Vogler, Genya like, was in disguise. Someone dis- like he had like a hologram oh, okay, disguise or something. Because okay. at that scene when he's wow, you ever, you ever just dress up like your dead? Well, because he was his whole. Th- well, we'll get we'll get to <laughs> get we'll get to Genya. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get you. Um, but so like that whole sequence, it, it's like this big. It's like a big action sequence, but like again, uh. I like the 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 experts is just as sick another fucking hit and the the airship just fucking goes down with basically East, or a big chunk uh, of it Yoshi does. dies thinking she with the ship and she's like essentially her death is like I'm going to make sure this fucker this this ghost fucker goes down with me but he doesn't She tries her best Issei we think is and dead for a bit but he shows up with like battle damage Yeah he has it is really great sequence where he's just been slowly like he's been Hanging magic lanterns, and it's buck wild enough that he made a bunch of like glowing, just solid lanterns from his magic scrolls. But then he says, like, he's saying out loud, explicating to the audience, monologuing of like, "There, I've I've done a shit ton of these lanterns. Only, like, like, like that they are invisible to the enemy." And that's all we get about them. <laughs> it's 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 all you. They give you all you need to know. That's all you need. It's so funny. Because if they spent all this time explaining it, we don't have time for everything else. They give you just what yes. you need, which is perfect. So then, at this point, we cut to shoot because we have two things going on at this point. We have um, there like they crash over the Himalayan mountains. I think the Himalayas is where they are supposed to be. On board, it's revealed that uh, Genya was Vogler. Vogler's still dead. He he didn't he never came back. Genya has been posing mm-hmm. as him and now has two of, the, and uh, all almost has the drive. Ginray seems to know him, and it's revealed that Vogler's her father. She and that's when she uses her teleportation, I think, to take her Tetsugu and Daisaku like into the mountain. Yes. Um. Well, she used it. She used. I think she used it earlier to like rescue them and get them back on the airship before yes. they left. I think that was it. 
because the I forgot yeah. exactly how, um, but they and and they're currently like in a mine shaft, <laughs> in a mountain. Yeah. To which the uh, while Shujo is like, okay, things are not all lost yet. I'm calling in reinforcements. To which we see a man covered in bandages with a pink hat and a pink clo- and pink coat. And he's running across the river, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And he's like, we got we. I'm calling in the big guns. I'm calling in reinforcements. <laughs> and he's like, I'm even going to show up myself. But not yet. But uh, you wanted to say what happens in this ma- in this mine shaft because you said this was great. This was one of your favorite parts. Uh, this also was really good. Well, honestly, a lot, several things that are all so my like favorite. Episode parts five is your favorite episode, shaft. is what you're saying. It might. But this has the flashback. Like, as I didn't well. even really think about it. Um, yes, the first the the first thing the first thing I really like that happens is. Um, we get Ginrei and Tets Ginrei and uh, Tetsugyu. Tetsugyu. What's his what's the fuck on Tetsugyu? Um, Tetsugyu's Tetsugyu. They 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 crash land together, and you know they actually have like some some nice character growth moment. Like they actually f- form a fucking like relationship and have a real conversation beyond just like, man, I'm real fucking horny for you, huh? Um, and they have some real conversations, and one of them is about fucking uh, Daisaku. And just like how much, how much pressure he's under, and just like how he never got to have a childhood and all this good shit. Um, and then while they're having that conversation, uh, Genya sends out some fucking uh, drones to just sort of like shout to the whole mountains so they hear it. Like, I've hey, I've got your boy. Come get your boy, or I'll murder him. Like or some shit. Um, oh, give me the briefcase. Yeah, give me, give me the last boy, of the prototype basically. drives. Give me the, give me the um, MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, I need the MacGuffin, or I'll murder your boy. Uh, and while he's, so he's held up in a mine shaft with a passed out Daisaku, and while he's just like, oh, like just kind of like looking over this boy, he hears him just like muttering in his sleep about his dad, and that's when we get the flashback sequence to. Daisaku, Daisaku inheriting Giant Robo, which basically happened when he just walks in in his dad's lab and like finds him dying because Big Fire like broke busted Murasami's busted in there too to try and yeah, and then Murasami yeah, and also and, Mur- and Murasami's there too, um, uh, and he's even younger. Like he's been doing this for a few years, um. And so, he was so like, he was young. He he was young enough to like barely even really comprehend what the fuck his dad was giving him. You know, he just knows um, big fire bad. Because <laughs> I think his dad was bad, I think his dad was robo- being forced to build it for big fire. Because oh. I think that's what it was. Something like that. But like Probably. use this thing for good, I because pro- I think that would also tie into maybe in the source material. That's what it was, and the I mean I program it's only somebody with a pure heart can use it. Right. Yeah. Just like with Common Rider's um, backstory, and... like I made it so you kept your free will. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's really fucking awesome because it's just sort of like, well, I guess this big scary robot's my dad now. Um, and it's sort of like Genya, I mean, it was a, it was a flashback slash 
dream Daisuke was having, but when it cuts when it cuts back to Genya, I, I feel like what what was communicated to me was like Genya knows all that information. That's probably not he's hard high information he's to big like, fire look up already. Yeah, so he probably just he he just knows that incident about that incident. Yeah, I mean, so you got, you got at least incident. at least he knows about the, the the genesis of Giant Robo. So he has that. There is immediately that that connection of like you know inheriting in, inheriting shit, good and bad, from your father. Um, and then uh, Ginrei. Ginrei and, and uh, Tetsuki show up, and they fight. Uh, uh, they 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 fight the fucking phantom mask samurai man Koen or whatever. Koenchaku. Uh, and um, he's he's presumed to 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 win that fight at first. Um. So the, the the big man is the big man is presumed is down presumed dead, um, and then Ginrei like confronts uh, Ginrei confronts Genya and then Genya sort of reveals like 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 no actually like like she's like father wouldn't want this like you you know he wouldn't and then Genya like is like no actually fucking let me expl- let me explain you a thing about dear so old dad so we got the third. Showing of the 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 tragedy of Bosch, of Bosch Darl. from from another perspective, um, and then basically, uh, actually, I don't know if this flashback is revealed then or later. We we slowly get the truth drip fed through to this us, episode, like a little bit, like when you're. It's like in Deadly Premonition when you find a new clue and it shows you the exact Profiling. same sequence. It shows you the exact same profile, but a couple scenes are unblurred now. Uh, it's like that, yeah. Um, but but basically, what what he what he tries to convince her of is like like no, d- like Dad wanted this. Like he he wants the Shizuma drives gone because they like ruined our lives. Um, and they and... villainized him, even though it was like he was the one who <laughs> yeah, really invented this. Yeah. Without, because sacri- happiness cannot be achieved without sacrifice. Because of the experiment he did, that's why the others were able to go and perfect it, and then release the one that everybody uses. And then yes. demonize him. He um, was the sacrifice, and so. And you know what? What Ginrei and uh, Professor Go took from that so that they could keep on living with their lives was well it sucks that he was villainized but he loved the Shizuma drive so much this was a worthy sacrifice so that the world could have peace and clean energy and Genya said no fuck that dad died bitter and wanting everyone well, because to Vogler pay didn't die initially so they stayed at the like at like ground zero cuz his dad yeah. kind of um, was Used his teleporting using his powers. teleporting powers, and so his dad was all. Yeah. So Vogler uh, locked himself in a room when he found out that they got the Nobel Bell Prize, and then like locked himself in there while Genya tried to get to him. But then he like 
Land, he like falls and gives him one of the uh, uh, one of the one of the MacGuffins and is just like use this and then dies. Yeah, he's he, he the the vague the vague death phrase that he I think he says is like you must stop you must stop you must stop Shizuma I think is what he specifically says. Yeah, you must stop Shizuma, um, <clears throat> and then dies. Uh, and then like, uh, Ginrei has a moment of doubt of 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 the of the faith she had in her father and then Daisuke wakes up and is like no fuck that you need to believe in your dad he was a good person like Ginrei's dad wouldn't say that you big fucking bully or whatever the fucking like jumps him cuz cuz but, but I think even before that that's when Tetsugu shows up all bloodied and everything talking about how he's going to fucking protect Daisuke to the end of the earth y- yes 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 um, and they drop and a then, mountain on um, him <clears throat> Cause that's when, uh, cause that's when that dude dies. Cause it's like he, he get he stabs Tetsuki in the gut, and but then and he's like, well, surely that would kill a normal person. So this dude's dead. But he, he let himself get mortally injured, and then lay there with the mortal injury, but kept it, kept himself conscious, but pretended to be knocked out through the pain that would knock out and kill a normal person. And then, like, after way too fucking long, is like, all right, now I can get the jump on him because the the only way to get the jump on an assassin like that is to make them know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are dead when you are, in fact, not. And the only way to do that is to otherwise be dead if you were a reasonable human. It's like when human. Jotaro is fighting Dio and he has, in like, Star Platinum is, like, preventing Jojo's, just, uh, Jotaro's heart from beating. Yes, like yes, yes, yes. Um, and then he just gets up and just fucking stabs him, and it's just the quick. It's the quickest death in the whole fucking show. It's the quickest, cleanest, normalest death because it's like that's the because it was like, oh, I truly was not expecting this. You, I, I got okie doked. Um, and but then um, and then that's when he just has the big monologue of of just like. That's when he admits his plan was of just like I fucked up so bad. It's my fucking. It's, this is it's episode all my four. fault. This is, I wanted I'm, to. I thought this was five. This is four. Remember what five is now. Keep going. <laughs> um. He was like, you know, I I finally get it now. Like I I was I was jealous. I was jealous of Daisuke. I didn't I didn't understand. I didn't understand why everybody was like deferring to him and like like everybody was just so like giving him all of this honor and responsibility and 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 glory and whatnot. Um. And just him realizing, finally seeing in Daisuke what everybody else saw that I think that, you know, even Daisuke doesn't, doesn't necessarily understand. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, no, episode, I think episode four is my favorite. Because um, at this point, I think, because I'm trying to remember how this resolves, because uh, I think, yeah, Ginrei ha- still has the, 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 the last MacGuffin. Because Genya has two of them, and he needs all three. And Genya betrays Alberto. Yes, because the whole time, because like the whole time, the 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 B plot, the B plot has been big fire, and th- the thing that Alberto keeps, okay, basically, uh, you know, Alberto's one of the head honchos. Big He's part fire. of the magnificent ten. God damn it. Yes, and so supposedly, what they keep being told is. The will of Big Fire is Genya's plan. Anytime they have a problem with Genya's plan, and they're like, "Wait a minute, I," because like every time, every time Genya enacts a new stage of his plan, Alberto or someone else is always like, 
hey, this doesn't seem conducive to world domination. Are you sure about this? And Ginyu just goes, it's the will of Big Fire. And because Big Fire is who he is, just saying that is like, shit, okay, fuck. Well, it's like it's right, like the Emperor no, in Star Wars, it. where it's like, the Emperor said so. Oh! <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and and I, I also love that shit. Just like, because the, like the, just, just these... It just communicates so much. Just these powerful men, not even... Because, you know, half the time, most of the time, it's not even begrudging. It's not even like, doh, you got me again with a bit. It's just like, oh, okay. No more questions. I'm that's how loyal questions. they are to Big Fire. Um, um, that's how scared they are to Big Fire. It's it's both it's you know it's it's respect through it's respect and loyalty through fear, um, which is how most villains work I think. But and and I love that shit. But then the longer it goes on, the more eventually it stops working. Eventually it's like, no, I, I you you're the fucking new kid and you're trying to tell me what the will of Big Fire is. Something's wrong here. Um, but they can't they can't openly talk about it like it's all talked about in like hushed whispers and at some point and at one point you know genya catches wise and just like mercs yeah him. he just fucking mercs uh alberto he's and you're just like shit okay so that 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 gets picked up in episode six yeah. episode five oh. is way more is where they find is where they really dive into the themes of the show because murasame shows up, he res- he fights Issei for, like, a hot minute, and he's like, no, we're friends. Like, we shouldn't be fighting. Right. Let's get everybody together, so... Murasame... We shouldn't be fighting, but when we were fighting, it was a really cool fight sequence. Because so I think Murasame okay. is the one who shows up and, and, like, be and like manages to, like, get Genya to go away. Yeah, like, ba- ba- basically, the IPO, like, the the surviving members all regroup, and they all leave the fuck out of there, and they, they go to their... They get everybody to they get back. Base. They get back to the base. Uh, giant Robo has a weird piece of ice on its shoulder that they just can't get rid of for some reason. I fucking love that. I, I, I assumed what I assumed it was doing was like, oh, it, it it must have something to do with like the nuclear power or whatever. Like I don't know. Like maybe it's like reacting weird and it's gonna be like a fucking like, uh, whichever Godzilla movie where he blew up, um, where he overheated, uh. <laughs> I thought they were going that direction. Way dumber, way better. Uh, we'll, we'll get, get to, to it. it ep- the final two, ep- the last episode is wild. I think this is the mo- it has the most. Oh it's the most God. wild finale I've ever seen. We got to get to episode five because I don't remember why, but they put Ginray in a in a in like a in like a cryo capsule. Because why did they why did they put her in the cryo capsule? I think it, is it because like she used her teleport too much and she's like fading out of reality. It was that, and then I also think they they also just wanted her confined regardless. Because they didn't trust her anymore. Because they no longer trusted her because of her connection to... to yeah, or Genya at this point, because um, they know. And yeah. they accuse... And then Go is all like... Everyone kind of like, why didn't you tell us that Vogler wasn't the bad guy? And he's like, who, who would believe us at that point? What was even the point? That was already the consensus. Yeah, and, and basically they, they were worried about, like, they were worried about, like, if we... If we did... If we, you know, if we if we fucking made a call out post for the scientists who saved the world, then just fucks that up everything. 
that just yeah that all that all that does is fuck up everything and he does seem um, like regretful about it a lot he spends a lot of this show kind of hysterical and regret with regret or like why did i yeah why didn't he, i do this he's so he's really sad he really he's has the weight of the world on his fucking shoulders and no but it's like i i couldn't even like like I didn't feel as bad as I could have because it's like, dog, no one's putting this on your shoulders but you. No, everybody only learned today what your role in all this even was fully. Like, you're doing your fucking best, man. Please calm down. <laughs> please, 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 please calm yourself. So, Professor, so at this point, Murasame takes uh, Daisaku aside and he gives him the huge lecture about cans because Daisaku's pissed that. Genrei, they don't trust Genrei, and he's like... They don't trust Genrei, and they don't trust... They still don't trust Giant Robo. Like, they, fi they fixed him up as a show of good faith, but they were like, until we have a plan, like, we're not just letting you pilot up. Giant Robo anymore. Yeah. It, Sad. And he... This is one of the greatest scenes, where it's just like... Murasame's all like, listen, like, happiness cannot be achieved. I'm an adult, you're a child. The difference between us is that I believe that, that happiness cannot be achieved without sacrifice. And he sa he says it over a pile of of deactivated Shizuma drives that they're just like shoveling into like the garbage or something. Because I, I think know they're, they're perfectly doing. recyclable, so they they gather them up and then recharge them in mass and then put them in new shit and new stuff. So they're perpetually mm -hmm. getting recharged. Mm -hmm. So it's like a recycling plant of some kind. Um, he's in like a bulldozer, yeah. like intimidating Daisaku. Jesus, and he's so like, extra. He's, and he's so like, Murasami-san, would you sacrifice anything? He's like, anything. Well, I'll show you what I'm willing to sacrifice. And pulls out a fucking gun and shoots himself in the goddamn head. Yeah, because yeah, because I and I mentioned it earlier. It was because like, are you willing? Like, how how can somebody how can somebody who can't die claim to sacrifice? Can't claim to be want to sacrifice anything? And then he does that, and then Daisuke gets it. It's like I am willing to sacrifice everything, and then big fire attacks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, big big fire attacks, and they basically like he fucking like the, you know they're they're all making plans, and uh, they're basically like I don't fucking know they're ba they're making their last stand essentially, um, and since since they're in agreement that they don't want to, well, I think most of them want to use giant robo, but it's it's just the rules like no like the the chief and the the chief and professor like the, the chief and mursami and go like just said like we're not using giant robo and i think like mursami basically like draws a, like draws a literal line in the ground and is like do not do not fucking cross this you stand fucking here don't pilot giant mm -hmm. robo or i'll fucking yeah, shoot you legit can we talk about and everyone's everyone's like everyone is like viscerally uncomfortable with the, with the with with it. Like no one likes the situation they're put in. I think like it's an uncomfortable episode. It's, it's a tense episode. Yeah. Uh, and then Fitzgerald, who snaps things in half, and that's his power. <laughs> because they start rallying up like a shitload of more guys. Like the la like they get pretty much the entire cast of Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Um. Uh and yeah 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 and, and and like basically they're like oh shit the like like they 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 sent they sent like one of the magnificent 10 and then basically like it's like oh no 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 you don't understand how fucked you are we sent three members of the magnificent <laughs> 10 Fitzgerald was so cool he was so just snapping cool. dudes like just you're in half you're in half you're in half that's that's jazz <laughs> baby you're dead like you're dead it's so good he's just 
She's scatting with human <sighs> lives. Uh, Marissa may get snapped in half, and he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, he's and uh, this is what I think. I think we get Giant Robo does does some does some does some punching. Daisaku pretty much just says, "Fuck it, I don't believe that." You know happiness requires sacrifice it doesn't that's bullshit i hate this and that's the way it is i don't want to be an adult because fuck that yeah i i'm gonna draw my own conclusion uh-huh. on this i have not you have and not sufficiently is... convinced me you've convinced me how serious you yeah. are and how serious you believe this but you have not given me sufficient evidence i have not seen with my own eyes that this is evident <laughs> that these truths are self-evident and like and that, you know, on, you know, on a surface level, the, you know, the, the knee-jerk first thought is like, oh, like, you know, he is, like, being a rebellious child, but it's like, I think what it communicates better is the truth of the, of the truth of that sequence of, like, that is him maturing and choosing his Becoming own Becoming his path. own He's man. no longer, he is not looking towards someone else to tell him, to tell him things. He is making his own decisions. He, he is becoming his um, own... And, and he decides to get in the robot. Get, get on the robot. He doesn't... He doesn't get in it. He gets on it. Um, yeah. So, this is... And... So, they, they manage to fight them back, but they realize where they're going. Gen, I think they get the, the drive. And Genya, then, is on his way to the original power station of Bashtarl. Because on, yeah. on the ruins of where they originally did the example... Where they originally did the experiment is now the absolute power source. It's like a power plant that powers the entire planet. Yeah, it is the Shizuma Drive power station. It's like where the the, the biggest one is. And he's going to overload it. And so he's straight there in the Vogler sphere. But he has to take a stop first. That's where we open episode 6. Where he's on trial. Because <laughs> the other Magnificent yeah. Ten are like, where's Alberto? Uh, we meet. We meet. Uh, I forgot. I'm, I'm gonna refresh myself on their names because I know they're both from from the Romance of Three Kingdoms, but they have Japanese names, not Chinese names. It's uh, Hanzui and Hanbei. Because Hanzui is the one who's like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing, Genya? Like, all of our big fire guys all over the world are now dying because of your blackout shit. You're killing our own guys. This is like, this is counterintuitive." to our world domination plans if we do not have the manpower to dominate the world. Like, tell us what you're doing. Um, yeah. And Genya's kind of just being an aloof fucker, like, it's the will of big fire, and everyone's like, you keep, you keep saying that! You, 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 you keep saying that, dude. But then, uh... Um... And, and then, like, the... The strategist guy, like the the, the Magnificent Ten's like core strategist, like basically shows up and has Genya's back, and like not only reiterates, "Oh, this is the will of Big Fire." Kome. Big Fire then shows up. Yeah, he's like, because that was the thing, because he was like, "We think you, we we suspect you, because we have we have Sunny here, Sunny the magician, who is the uh, the daughter of Alberto, and they share a telepathic bond." And we, you're sus, Genya, because that's what Kome is saying. And uh, she's actually apparently just one to one based on one on Yokoyama's early Magic Girl series, Sally the Witch. And she's voiced mm-hmm. by Kasha from Ideon <laughs> in her short appearance. Good. But then, yeah, uh, 
Um, because then, then, uh, Hanbei, I think his name is. It was, because uh, he's based on Juget Kome. It's Kome and Hanbei are the, uh, are the two. Kome is all, he's the strategist based on Juge Leong is all like, nah, 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 nah. We're, we're, like, it's cool. Big Fire himself is here, and this is why we're doing this, Hanzui. To which everyone is like, fine, I guess. But then Hanzui's like, you know what? Fuck it. Civil War. Let's go. They, yeah. Because they... um, there's some... There's some alluded to, like, time sequence of events. Because he's like, it's too early for Big Fire to be here. Um, so something is wrong. Like, this isn't according to the plan. This is... This is... This stinks this smells and there's a sequence i think late later on after that where like um sunny like someone's with sunny it's, it's i think it's it's like, it's alberto yeah and like Al, Al, alberto like uses his like last dying moments to like cyclically like, to, to perfectly to like psychically possess sunny for a quick second and just give him like basically just reassure him like yes something is up don't fucking believe these people to which we have an awesome battle sequence with all of the magnificent 10 but they do get dispatched <laughs> or at least we're led to believe that initially because mm -hmm. what happens after that though because i remember um, episode, i remember the finale but what happens between this and the finale i think it's just a gigantic battle starts it's just a big fucking battle, and it's like, you know, Big big Fire... Big Fire also has these two, like, basically robot monsters. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, and I think they're also from Mars, because they're named after... They're named weird. Yeah, I think they're also from Mars. They're the manga. <laughs> um, and, uh... Yeah, this all kind of this all blurred together for me i'm i'm losing the i'm losing the narrative i'm losing the sequence of events essentially what like there's so much that happens in these episodes it's like so let's let's go over the last episode then because at this point ginray teleports herself to the to the vogler sphere to, to try to stop genya yes um and it's and it's big uh, well, no, because she, she teleports herself. She teleports, like, a bunch of shit. She teleports everywhere. I think so. She? And that's why she's completely fading out of reality toward the end. Because she's, yeah, like, only her torso um, is, like, somewhat visible, and she's, like, becoming translucent. Um, and she's... But, but the thing that she... The reason that she teleported into the Vogler Spear... Was because she also made she also made her own decision about like the legacy of her father and her place in it and what she chooses to do about it, and she she decides to trust her father, but what that means is she trusts her father so much that she brings the she brings the third thing to the sphere and she's like if this is what father wanted then I trust him. Um. I guess is what ended up happening. Gets revealed to not be dead because um, he he shows yes. up and he's like completely covered in his own gore, but he's like, "Let's do this," because he's Tetsugu and he's the best. Giant yes. Robo is doing lots of Giant Robo stuff, but uh, Genya 
slams all three together. I think Genray gets shot in the... I forget. He, I think he shoots Genray because they get in, like, an argument over, like, what... what Because he's so convinced about his own interpretation of his father's will that she, like... He thinks she's going to betray him, I think. Or that he just can't trust yeah. anybody. Everything is just for the revenge of his father. That's the only thing he cares about. All of this has been for that. Yeah, because, um... Because, cause ba- like, he... he... For for a hot man, like he basically he function like he loses like giant robo giant robo fucking beats the shit out of that orb, um, and he's just not having a good time about it. But then like, um, there's this really cool fucking sequence where like giant robo gets like super fucked up in like the face, and fucking dice like when when he makes his last fucking stand for the battle, Daisuke fucking like hooks him like Daisuke fucking climbs inside of the hole in his eye and like hooks himself like just wraps got, his arms got, and legs in not wires. Not to spoil people who haven't seen Die Buster, but I got like big end of Die Buster vibes from that. With the secret yes. cockpit. Like that's <laughs> Watch Die Buster, please. We'll do oh the Busters again at some point. Don't worry. Please. Uh we should. Those are so good. Um, like big gunbuster energy in this in this last episode with Daisaku. Get he has some he's invoking Noriko. Hell yeah. We stand a queen, Noriko oh. Takaya. <laughs> um, but basically, so what? Like, what ends up happening is like again, you loses, but then also he, he act, he he gets the third, he gets the 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 third MacGuffin and activates it. And what, what was presumed to happen, was. What everybody thought was going to happen was, like, not only will the Earth stand still again and all technology everywhere will just cease, but permanently, it'll also... I forget how they... Oh, they, they came to that conclusion because, like, while they were... while while um I think that's what happened in Episode 6, was they got their hands on, the, on like, one of the prototypes and they were they they like they ran like a simulation of it or something and like not only did like the Suzuma drive like overload and shit but all the oxygen in the room disappeared oh yeah it would completely destroy the world that's, um, that's what it was so they fig or at least kill everybody it, it, it would get rid of all the oxygen on earth so like yeah earth would no longer be a viable planet for life yeah. as we know it, it would effectively kill everybody um and then oh and then that and then that reminded me of like the whole the their whole initial plan for making the like one thing that impressed me about like the the last stand that they made before Daisuke finally said fuck it and got in the giant robo was um they what the Vulgner sphere does is it the energy signal it sends out overloads Shizuma drives so that they just shatter and so what they said was Okay, if you're gonna infinitely power this giant Shizuma drive, we're going to we're going to redirect it at you faster than you can feed it. Yes. And so it's just this like for the whole fight, the big Shizuma drive is just like constantly just like expanding and contracting. It's just like so fucking unstable, and they're just like because uh, those two it was those two dudes like the, those 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 two experts of justice who were kind of minor characters who just like beat their magic drums and make electricity happen yeah I think the more more characters from Water Margin 
and they're just doing it so fucking fast and hard. They're trying. They're they're basically just they're they're trying to infinitely. They're trying to infinitely use infinite energy faster than it can infinitely happen or some shit. It's, it's so it, wild. Yeah, it's everything in this is big, earnest, and awesome. Um, and so, but you know, they. It's weird. Like everyone, everyone fails in this, but it's a happy ending. Um, because they 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 fail to stop the Volgner sphere, and then the Volgner sphere, uh, gets owned by giant robo but then he still ends up he still is able to activate uh it's it's ultimate weapon uh which is you know finally like, like he did it i'm gonna activate the fucking thing and like do what my dad wanted to do which i'm sure was destroy all the shizuma drives and also earth what ends up happening is every uh every shizuma drive gets uh like activated again and also goes from having one core to having three cores? Like, it just sort of splits. Like, some chemical reaction happened inside of the Shizuma drives, and they're all, like, altered in some way, but they work. And then a hologram of Volgner shows up. Maybe you should just wrote this one down. Uh, he, <laughs> Volgner. He just, he, just missed, um, he just trusted his son too much. <laughs> don't trust your son. Uh, <laughs> but, so, he... he his final like farewell is like um the whole reason and then we we get one final final fucking like flashback of the fucking we we finally see the truth the truth was and there was the i think there was another flashback in episode six that that showed like almost almost the whole truth almost 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 of just like Volgner didn't want to do the final experiment. Everyone else did. Um, because, like, there was a 2% margin of error. And he was basically like, we that 2% could be the most important 2%. And then everyone else is like, yeah, but also, we're really tired and exhausted, uh, and we're sick of being, we're sick of failing, and we, we want to be big winners, so we're going to roll the dice on this. And then they immediately regret it, they all immediately regret it and like shit we fucked up we have to go but then Volgner looks looks into the eye of the storm and is like shit wait a minute i get it now i have it you people fucked up but now i see i see where we fucked up and i got it now i understand everything no we have to go through with this like this is now that you've already done it like you like basically he's 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 being he's basically like calling them out like you fucking cowards <laughs> like you wanted to do this and now we're in it and i'm now i'm no like fuck this like i get it now i know what has to be done and then when he showed when when Gen when genya came back with the Shiz with the completed shizuma drive the reason he flipped out was they didn't get it. They still fucked it up. It's not perfect. And after a certain time, and they are going to all explode and destroy all oxygen on the Earth. Yes, well, because, like, uh, the they thought, they thought that the Shizuma Drive didn't give off any, um, any negative, any, like, pollution. But there was some small trace elements that, that get sent up into the atmosphere every time a Shizuma Drive is powered. And over the course of uh, like 12 like about in about 12 years all of that will accumulate in the atmosphere and then simultaneously wipe out it's been about 10 years so mm-hmm no it was it was 10 years it was 10 years 
Um, and so that his his plan was to stop the Shizuma Drive, but by saving it, by essentially patching them. And yeah, he he had a you know fucking Shizuma Drive one point one. Um, and uh, Genya. Genya is Boo Boo the Fool now, uh, and he Genya's knows Genya's applying it. his clown makeup and looking at the corpse of his sister, and... <laughs> <coughs> oh my god. It's... It, 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 it's kind of a poetic ending. Because it really does... It's extremely... It's, an, like, it's, it's an opera. It's, it's so... It's high energy, high drama, high emotion. Like... Quote on, like happy ending. It's a bittersweet like, ending. It really is. It's. Di- I think the person who won the most in the end was Daisaku because he grew so much more. Yeah. Right. Like. Like fucking. Like lo- looking at the wreckage and like everything he caused. It's like what a great coming of age story this was for me. Like he's the only one who won. But that it, that's pretty much how it ends. It ends on a cliffhanger with Big Fire actually waking up. Because it turns out that was not Big Fire. That was just Sonny the Magician. Yeah, hypnotized and dressed dressed up like him. But Big Fire does truly awaken, and then that's the uh, to be continued. Never. It's been twenty two years. <laughs> We're doing it. We're putting it out there. This is my this is my three and a half hour sigil. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what this podcast is. This is a sigil, and everyone who's listening at home, all maybe fifty of you, mm-hmm. th- thank you for contributing. Uh, thank you for giving us your energy. Thank you for giving you your time too. Giving us your time. Thank you. I appreciate. Time is energy. energy. It's like it's like Goku spirit bomb. Hands in the air. Power up Goku spirit bomb, everybody. Hercule, Hercule said, said so. Mr. Satan said Mr. so. <laughs> the, uh, His canonical full name is Hercule Satan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Giant Robo. You, so this was... Uh, this wasn't life-changing for me. I'm just mad at myself that it took me this long to watch it. That's... I mean, that's kind of where I am. It's... I'm almost 30. It's hard... It's, it's hard to changed my life that much now uh also because i feel like my life is changing inex- inexplicably every single week in ways i can't control <laughs> so that's another thing that i'm dealing with but yeah no i this is this is now one of my favorite things this is one of my new favorite things this has been a lot of new favorites since we started doing this podcast again in a way that like the f- the first season of this podcast was not like that no it was mostly we i the first season of this podcast was us establishing a lot. I think we we did do a lot of the hits. And I think that's important for context, even if we didn't cover them in the in the way that I wanted to. We're going to be jumping back into Gundam pretty hardcore after a while, but that's mostly for Hathaway. And because I, I feel mm-hmm. like Zeta Gundam is something we need to talk about. Absolutely. You've never seen Charge Counterattack. You haven't finished Zeta. It, there's some there's some problems I need we need to solve. <laughs> There, there are some gaps. There are some significant in between, gaps. In between those, we will be trying. We'll be doing some. We'll be doing some of the hits, and we'll be trying to do some some obscure, some more obscure stuff that we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was this was great. I this I want uh, this is something I can see myself watching multiple times over. I want to cover this again. I want to try to 
I, I know I said this, you don't need to analyze this while you're watching it, but it's like I do want to analyze in multiple ways. I, I Its themes are very apparent, but I just, I, I don't know, I, feel, I watched it one and a half times. I feel like I should watch it a whole other time. I feel like we should, I feel like, you know, maybe not necessarily for the podcast, but for our own peace of mind, I would like to rewatch this every time we read one of the many source materials that inspired the characters in this. That's that's incredible. Or at least the first episode, because the first episode is fucking solid even on, on its own. Right. I, I would watch it. Honestly, this is this seems... I agree with Daisaku's voice actor. It's impossible just to watch one. You end up watching all of them. Because yeah. he said he watched all of them before he did the uh, <laughs> the commentary with... with <laughs> uh, Kape Yamaguchi did that with Sumi Shimamoto. Uh, final thoughts on this, because we talked ex- at length about various things we felt. I loved the ending. Like, that. that is what really tied it up for me. Like, just... I, I, I almost like him redeeming this seven, this like '60s manga villain. It's like it, it reminds me of like uh, Kojima characterizing Big Boss, where Big Boss mm-hmm. was just this little. Oh fuck! We never, we never paid off the ice yes. shoulder. I didn't say that on the pod. the ice shoulder was was Alberto. He's not dead. <laughs> he was hiding in. He froze himself in giant on giant Robo's shoulder. That he just pops out, of, and he he literally was like, "I'm so mad! I'm so mad that I had to dishonorably hide in there for so long." But I knew this was the la- this was the only way I would have another shot at your ass. <laughs> like, I love. Um, I would. I I I, well, I want to read Mars because I want to see what his original source material is like itself is like. There's I I saw a screenshot of him from one of the. There's some anime adaptation of it that looked like it was like late '90s, 2000s. Because Mars did have have um, some OVAs. Because I, yeah, I think it was um, this that set off like people started adapting other Yokoyama stuff, like the Babel Two OVA started and stuff. Fucking good. Because this just kind kind of you know brought this was the first like anime reboot I wanted not not the first but this was like the first like let's do a throwback thing celebrating a, an individual. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I wanted, even if I heard that the the 2004 Giant Robo show was not that good, or at least disappointing compared to this, I mean, Chiaki Konoka's the writer. How can that be bad? Maybe I'll watch it and be bored. I don't know. I think a lot of people are just mad that it's nothing like this. Because apparently it's completely different. Yeah, this thing, like, as, as much of a, as much of a, as much of a love letter as it is, it is also wholly its own thing in a lot in, in, in a lot of core ways. Um, but I but I am still I I am I'm willing to I know that and I'm willing to like still look into the 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 original giant robot. Oh yeah, I want to I want to um I am I am de- you know what I'm bumping up on our priority list, Hella, the 2004 Tessigen series. Yes, I want to do that one, and then also like I, I um, I, I want to watch that one more so than I would because like my my first thought before looking into it more was like oh I would want to watch the fucking uh because they also made like a giant Robo anime like that's GR, one, that's the Konoko one I was talking about yeah y- yeah and it it doesn't look as that's, good. yeah I want to see the Tetsujin one I, though but I think before we do that we I think we're gonna go and we're gonna do the Tetsujin manga because I think that's translated too. Because that would be cool if what we do is we do, like, double feature of, like, original Giant Robo and original Tetsujin. Because original Giant Robo is only, like, 22 chapters long. So that'd be, like, oh, yeah. a nice quick thing we could do. 
And if Tetsujin's done, we could do that Tetsujin, then we could do Tetsujin 2004. Hell yeah. But uh, next, join us next week as we... Uh, I'm not sure... A little Things are still up in the air because of global pandemic. And as my grandfather said, this is almost as bad as a Cuban Missile Crisis in terms of, like, global anxiety. Because he, he said, like... He says he doesn't remember people being this anxious since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I'm like, that's ominous. <laughs> but, uh... Anyway, we're going to be going... Speaking of, you know, things that happened in the late 60s, we're going to the mid-70s for uh, Space Battleship Yamato, finally. Uh, we're unsure yeah. if it's going to be one or two episodes. Me and Tooch are going to discuss that in greater detail when we're both finished the show. Tooch, you have not started Yamato mm-hmm. yet, and I am about ten episodes in. Mm-hmm. I Since there's a lot of documented history, I've been doing a lot of research onto it, uh, if you also are interested in the history of Space Battleship Yamato, now is your time to watch it, or head to OurStarBlazers.com, as in, like, Our, Our... our it's, like, it's like the lyrics from the Star Blazers theme song. It's a Star Blazers fan site with so... It's an old-school-ass fan site in the way that they don't exist anymore. I'm just so, so, so much information. So many translated articles and essays, timelines of how the series was created, so much pre-production stuff. It's... I wish I had this much information on Gundam stuff. I wish I had this much information with, like, Getter in English. Yeah. Like, I know the layers of language barrier that I'm trying to hop over very slowly, but, like, I wish I had access to that information for other shit that I like. And Yamato is great so far. It's, like, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. So we look forward to that. Uh, you can follow us at Metrospective. Please follow us on SoundCloud uh, for future episodes. We try to g- get them out every Sunday, sometime during the day. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. later, earlier, the time is r- irrelevant as long as we get it on the day. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, follow us on SoundCloud. Please rate us five on iTunes if you tolerate us. If you, if you hate iTunes and refuse to use it, I understand. If you'd be willing to make an account or use an old one just to rate us five stars and then never use it again, perfectly fine just because explaining just a little bit because itunes metrics judges any view, judges how often people get to see what we do and i get we're a niche podcast but hey more people i feel like some people would like to listen to this yeah uh anyway thank you for listening uh for now uh we we cry at robots <laughs>